Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back after a couple of weeks off of uh, actual recording, aren't we? Yeah, it is. It's nice to see you again, Steve. And, and you too, mate, actually in person. And um, we're joined by a guest, uh, Johnny. Welcome, uh, for the second time this season. Yeah, in a couple of weeks. It's, this, uh, I'm on a roll. This is a first for any guest on Opinions. I'm honoured. Nobody's ever made it twice in one season. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're here with a slightly different hat on this time. Different hat, you're yeah. wearing your... Oh, a different bag. Oh, a different bag, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. On point there. Um, wearing your beer merchant's hat yep. this, this this time, so and we'll come on to that uh, a bit later on because we're going to chat to you about beer merchants and Cave Direct and, and, and what you do there, but um, we're going to dive straight into the beers yeah. um, because we've got a lot of beers to get through <laughs> we this, have. this week. Hashtag got, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, uh, we've got eight beers, um, we've got four classic Belgian beers yep. and four beers that Johnny's picked out for us as being their Best UK, the be- best UK versions, 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 counterparts. Yeah, I think I think I think that's very subjective, but I've certainly. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with it. Is that what you aimed for? Yeah, I mean, certainly the best available at the moment. Because obviously when it comes to Belgian beer, most British guys are pretty seasonal about it. Yes. Um, But all four of these beers are awesome. Okay, so, uh, well, you might as well introduce what we're starting with. Uh, So we're going to (coughs) start with with our man Andy Parker. Um, Never heard of him. Who who we love. (laughs) (laughs) Never heard of him. Who we love. Yeah. Um, Big fans of Andy on on, on this show. He's uh, he owns a, a tiny brewery called Elusive near Siren, and he's brewed Plan B, which is a Belgian pale ale. Uh, so Belgian yeast. Um, I think it might be American hops for a, for a little twist, but 4.2, uh, lovely. Actually, one of my favourite ever Belgian Belgian pale ales I've ever tried. I was blown away when I tried it. And we're going to put that next to. Are we okay to move on to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we're going to put that next to Taras Bulba. Um, which a lot of people describe as like a, a brewer's beer. It's it's because brewers love lager. They love the clean, hoppy, uh, or crisp stuff. Uh, and this is this is a 4.5% Belgian pale. Lots of really cracker dry malt, and then a noble hop kind of profile. So soft, grassy, floral. Uh, just one of the most drinkable beers on earth. And this is from Brasserie de la Seine. Brasserie de la Seine of Evander Bates, who is uh, one of the most fascinating people you could talk to in beer. Well, I mean, I did about 15 minutes. You did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And I, I could have talked to him for a lot longer. Yeah. Or more correctly, I could have just listened. Yeah. That's yeah, what he was saying. Yeah. He was, he was so, to listen close. He's got a soft voice. Yeah, <laughs> but really friendly. But just you were in, you were captive when he started talking about beer. I really enjoyed listening back to, to that one when I was editing it because like you say so he's, he's a person that you can just listen to yeah I yeah. probably only asked about three four questions across 15 minutes he's so well read that's that's what's astounding like, yeah. I mean he's a modern Belgian brewer but what he knows about history would, would yeah. put most historic Belgian brewers to shame so yeah okay so before we get into these I'm, I'm, I'm going to preface this with we've, we've been challenged tonight by our number one fan Miles Lambert to um, not use the word Belgian as a descriptor <laughs> all, all evening, which is going to be quite tough for me. It's going to be a bit particular. tough for me because I seem to have picked it up. <laughs> you, you do. So um, we will try to be not using Belgian as a descriptor and we will be trying to pick out some of the flavours as, as we go through the, the beers. Yeah, we'll give it a go. We will give it a go. Let's see, we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> so um, we've got the, we're, we're, and we're going to do, um, we decided we're going to do the English 
no, versions no, no, first, and then to try, and then try the Belgian versions to see what the English breweries were yeah. kind of aiming for. I guess kind of work backwards because that's what a lot of brewers do. They have a thing in mind, and then they go backwards through the brewing process and try and make it happen. So I guess that's the way we're going to try and do. It. Yep, sounds good to me. So uh, let's start. So if we've got this right way around, yeah, that, that's the plan B. This should be plan B. Okay, so uh, cheers. Well, cheers. Cheers. Lemony on the nose. I was gonna. I was really gonna go for citrus on the nose. It's really. It's got a really sweet nose to it. It's got a sweeter nose than I remember as well. Oh, same here actually. Less of the citrus comes through on the mouth, and in, in, when you're when you're actually drinking it, I think it starts to get a bit more grassy. Yeah. Um, it's there's bitterness in there that, that kind of. It's very dry finish, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think I get kind of a like a nectarine no sorry not a nectarine what we're talking about a satsuma kind of sweet acidity and then just a, a little bit of pith yeah. which is the white stuff that you can never quite scrape off <laughs> never as, as hard as you yeah. try yeah a little bit of that vibe going on it's, I think it's changed quite a lot since when it was fresh it was it was more citrusy on the aroma and cleaner and crisper I think this is now it's mellowed out yeah. Yeah. it feels a lot softer yeah. than I remember it yeah definitely and then less pale a little bit more Richer malt, which might might be an oxidation thing. Is this is this part of sort of Andy's core range as as far as he has a core range now? Um, it does always seem to be available now. Uh, yeah, well, I think I think I think it's because he was really pleased with the beer, um, and I think he got a lot of praise for it. I, I don't know whether Plan B is a core thing. I don't know whether there's a Plan A because obviously he does like level up two, three, four. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't believe so, but. If, if, if I was his brewer's assistant I'd be pushing him to do it because I think it's it's a great beer it's shown a bit of age here maybe but I think it, it's a great beer yeah but I'm not sure it's showing age in a bad way I said, no from it's, when it's, I first it's really it, drinkable I think, I think it's probably a bit more drinkable and that dryness at the end is lovely yeah I'm really enjoying that and I, I'm going to say and you know I'm going to get in there straight away folks can keep count at home it's not as Belgian as you would expect it to be <laughs> yeah yeah there's, there's the first one right but that's that's come off as well a little bit on it because when I first remember having it yeah I, I felt it was a Belgian pale ale I think now it's quite subtle the, Bel- the Belgium notes to it yeah it's got a hint of like ESB to it like a slightly richer caramel feel yeah. to it along with the sweet esteriness that you get from a, a, a nicely made ESB like a full of see that yeah. yeah it's very nice though yeah really enjoying it and I'm probably enjoying it I think I'm enjoying it more than when I first had it okay so let's let's try it's Belgian counterpart then okay um, so, so we'll, we'll do it side by side and then, then we can get into to, to a bit of discussion okay. cheers so cheers slightly different on the nose a little bit more floral yeah, maybe a bit sharper I get like a lemon barley you know that kind of soft lemon and graininess of the squash that's what I get from it and that grassy, floral, almost almost German lagery, technangery, halitary yeah, kind yeah, of thing. That's really prominent up front, isn't yeah. it? Whereas, whereas the plan B is really kind of, the first mouth full is really quite smooth. This is a little bit sharp and spiky. This, yeah, this would uh, be more of a, what I'd class a bit more of a first quencher. Yep. A bit colder on a hotter day. It's a bit warmer on a very cold day as it happens. But <laughs> it, this, this would definitely work a bit cooler on a hot day, wouldn't it? Yeah. You can see if you've done a hard day's brewing, like what you're gasping for is, is a tarot. Like, yeah. You're, you're thirsty, you're tired. 
it's exactly what we want. It's, yeah, yeah. It, would, it would cut through, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Um, but it's got it's got so much depth of flavour. Like you, you smell it because it's quite a light floral biscuity aroma, and you don't think there's going to be much to it. But it's got plenty of bitterness, lots of crackery, powdery dryness. It's it's got lots, kind of almost lots, puckery. lots happening for the what is a session of all strength beer. Mm. Mm. I think it's really drinkable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and there's there is a lovely bit of finish to it as well. Yeah, so I, I in particular do love that bitter hit at yeah, the end of it. Bitter, yeah. bitterness, dryness. That, I like that at the end because that's what makes me go, oh, I'll have another glug of it. And that's what you do. If, yeah, it's got to dry out your mouth so you need some more some more liquid. Yeah. And lots of Belgian brewers are criticised for being too sweet. Yeah. Um, and I think Della said purposefully went, well, no, we're going to make bitter beer and we're also going to make lower strength beer because the big issue with Belgian beer is it's sweet and it's alcoholic. Which so is we'll, true. we'll make a 4.5% bone dry. Counts, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, Belgian beer is well renowned for being, someone says, oh, I'm going to Belgium, oh, mind the beer. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. We're just drinking smaller quantities. Yeah. <laughs> is that, yeah, it's because it's we, we've got a pint culture here. Yeah. But you can drink Taras by the pint and when we go to Myrtle Lambic, like, we all go in there and you get, immediately get, like, Cantillon on cask and maybe something else wacky that's on and then after three or four beers you're like, should we have a Taras? Because it's their house beer, and you're just like, and then you're onto Taras for like four pints, and then you go elsewhere. I, really, I, didn't, I didn't realise that was made of Lambic's house. Well, yeah, but it's co- constantly on tap, along with, with I think, just Cantillon and Delatan are constantly there, and then different stuff comes on and off otherwise. That's not a bad choice to be a house beer, is it? No, and um, Beer Moth in Manchester is their house beer as well. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. That's, that's a good start. Yeah. As, a house, as house beers go, that's not a bad place to be. Absolutely. Even I'd be happy drinking that. Oh, there you go. Steady on. There, oh no, there we go. Breaking new ground. We can stop the programme now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so Johnny, you are joining us this week with, as we said at the, the, the intro, with your kind of beer merchants out. Hmm. Um, so just give us a little bit of a little bit of beer merchants background because it's beer merchants cave direct same company slightly yeah. different arms of the same company so yeah i guess technically i'm here with my cave direct hat okay so so cave direct is a importer and distributor uh, of speciality beer which is what we called speciality what we called good beer before it became craft um so it started in 1978 uh by our current md collins dad who he got made redundant from his job and he spent his redundancy package on buying a lorry and he started thinking well I'm just going to drive around France and bring in a load of wine Um, so that's why it's called Cave Direct or Carve Direct but we've we've given up on the carve thing Um, so he started driving around and his wife was Belgian so they picked up some beer and brought some beer back as well and I think some Belgian wine I might be wrong Um, and that sort of went pretty well but the beer started to take over the wine and then Belgo founded the Belgian beer restaurant which became like the biggest account that they'd ever had and slowly beer took over to the point where like mid 90s all beer uh, the wine disappeared um, and you know we Colin RMD who's the son of the founder brought in yeah, he brought in Leff and Hogan for the first time before they brought out and all this he's been bringing, on, bringing in Cantillon since the 80s Tain and all these guys he's responsible for them ever coming to the UK um, and they had a little bottle shop in uh, South East London Charlton um, yes that was one of the first sort of specialty beer shops in the UK and then they closed it in 2003 and founded Beer Merchants the online store so they saw that it was all moving online um, so we were I think the second one after maybe Beers of Europe or possibly Beer Ritz um, and that was run by Phil Lowry who now owns Breakwater Brewing and works for Simply Hops uh, and 
Beer Merchants has been run ever since then as an online shop. Um, uh, we had a guy called Bryn who ran it, and now we have Luke, who's the former e-commerce guy for Brewdog. Um, and we just bring, we try to be pretty premium. We bring in the most exciting, unusual stuff we can, specifically continental, but also lots of UK stuff as well. And Cave has sort of grown. I mean, Cave. So we have Kona and Polana, the biggest brands, but we do still hundreds. 150 different Belgian breweries before we even get onto our specials list which is just the exciting stuff that comes in week by week yeah. we get excited about um, so, so Cave Cave is the parent company yeah Beer Merchants is the online store but then with, with Cave you've also got the tap room in Manchester as, as well yeah so Cave Cave is now the UK's only speciality national distributor so we deliver direct uh, we've got cold store well we've got um hubs and cold stores around the country so we've got Bristol Manchester just founding Newcastle at the moment it's just open but it's not fully working and then we have Kent which services the southeast um, and so in Manchester we basically had a spare arch so we filled it with a tap room so during the week it's filled with empty kegs and then at the weekend we clear it all out and turn it into a pop-up tap room which has um, 12 taps about 200 maybe packaged beers and people just coming and drinking it's part of the the beer triangle so there's you know there's cloud water because cloud water only about 10 minutes away aren't they not even that not even that yeah probably 6-7 minutes so I'm sure did you guys launch St George's Day last year was there something I'm sure I went to a Cloud Direct thing purely by chance it would have yeah it would have been Aprilish I think yeah Yeah, Aprilish last year me and Michelle were up there for cloud water and someone said oh there's something going on down there you know Cloud Direct had bought an arch or got an arch yeah so we went down there and there was like a launch party for it and stuff so I popped in there it was good, good fun actually and it, Bavaria, big space that, it's, it's kind of part of that Piccadilly mile that, that yeah yeah I think, I think they call it the beer triangle yeah. but Mancunians can correct me so yeah there's six or seven breweries there's Cave Direct we're quite near Beer Nouveau and some other guys yeah yeah, uh, yeah I mean it's, it's like the beer uh, Bermondsey Beer Mile uh, north here yeah. yeah. and so the, the speciality Oh, there is a speciality of Belgian beer as well, isn't there within within the company? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's what yeah, it's what Collins always loved. Um, the amount of Rochefort ten he puts away, uh, killer rhinoceros. Um, and yeah, he's always loved his beer. And we he's he's employed purposely. We employ like ex bar managers of, of craft beer bars, so craft beer co. Those 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 kind of ilks, draft house like guys who really love their beer first. They're not salesmen. And, and uh, well, I don't because I'm not a salesman. <laughs> but our, our sales guys teach them the sales pitch once they because they know the beer already. Mm-hmm. So that's how we focus. And they're all Belgian beer lovers, American beer lovers. Um, got a lot of home brewers in the team as well. So the knowledge is there, which really helps with looking after you, looking after your beers in the cellar and the pourings and understanding beer and selling it. Right. So it's quite a sizable operation these days, then. Yes, about sixty people. That's growing then from one man in a lorry. Yes, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, but still, yeah, still a family business. So Neil, sales director, has moved in. He's the only non-family guy on the board, and uh, it's, you know it's growing, getting ready for. Well, not getting ready for the craft beer explosion has happened, and you know in the last five years we've probably grown faster than we have in in the previous 30, 33. But you were nicely ready for it, weren't you? 
Yeah, we yeah, were very you, sort of. You had a very yeah. good foundation with the, the knowledge that had been gained over, over 30 years. Yeah, we're still waiting for that Belgian beer explosion, but that's kind of why I'm here tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the start of it. You yeah, heard it here exactly. First. Yeah, <laughs> Rudolf Shoreditch, 2017. Once, once you've converted me, the the rest of the country will follow. This is Where you lead, pe- people follow. Or I can't quite remember the saying. That, no, no, that is it. That's, that's it. There you go. Nailed it. That is the one we use. Yeah, yeah. More specifically, the one that Steve uses. <laughs> if I'm being absolutely honest. Um, glasses have emptied. R- r- rapidly well they, I think that says a lot about the first two beers yeah it might slow down towards the end I mean they're, they're, they're both session session beers aren't they yeah you keep telling yourself that well, they're, 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 <laughs> it's, it's under 5% it's definitely in the session range yeah okay so why we pour um, the next couple of beers um, we'll just do a quick rundown of a, a few things that people would be expecting to hear at this stage. Well, um, we've got news. We, we, we have got news. All news happened again while we were off air, didn't it? <laughs> it, it, it did. Uh, before we jump into the news, um, for, for folks wanting to hear what we've been up to, why why we've not been recording, yep. um, you have to wait till next week for that because we've been up to so much we thought we'd give a whole show over purely to what we've been doing yeah, and over, I've, over I've the last got, few weeks. And I've got a weekend in Amsterdam coming up as well. Okay, so we'll, we'll be adding to that next week. So, so tune in next week for, for the Beery Adventures. Um, so yeah, as always, with the news, the minute we stopped recording... It happened. All the news happened again, yeah. didn't it? So um, first up, and something which I think you're quite pleased about, um, BrewDog announced that they were going to um, open up the first BrewDog brew pub. Yes. How many minutes is it from where you work? Um, well, if I if I stroll ten minutes, if I walk a bit quicker than that, I could get there in under ten, I reckon. Okay. So is it fair to say you're quite excited about this? I'm excited this about this. Yeah, I, was, I, I did have a bit of a look when that when that story broke, just to see exactly where where it was, and it's down sort of between um, Monument and Ta- Tower Hill Station. So um, yeah. not too far away. And it's one of the areas I used to go clubbing in when I was in, in the nineties, a while ago. <laughs> so it's um. 8,500 square foot location. That's massive. It's That is huge. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> a lot of square footage, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, a 10HL brew kit inside. Bigger than most breweries in London? Definitely bigger than a startup. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to produce small batch exclusives for, for the people of the city that have supported since they opened their first London bar. Well, that'd be so, Clayton then. I can't. <laughs> I can't imagine they're not also going to be producing punk. In, in oh, they will be yeah, yeah. to to have kind of like tap fresh punk. So, um, not sure when it's due open. First first quarter of next year. Oh yeah, that's so, so not too long to, no. to wait for get Christmas out of the way for that. You'd imagine yeah. it'll be towards the end of that quarter. That's quite a lot of work, I think. Well, they're probably pretty good at it. They've opened a couple of bars. I don't know whether you guys have noticed or... No, but I mean, I imagine the old... Uh, where they, If I remember where they are, that would have been all office space. So there's probably quite a bit of knocking down inside yeah, to go on to make it... What I imagine is going to be fairly open plan if it goes if, along if the lines of yeah, general... The way these general things work. places, it's... Um, but yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, I know that Clayton, my friend and colleague, so who I work with, so uh, yeah, we're both excited about that one. It's even made me think about signing up for EFP. Oh, really? Yeah. It's interesting. We might explore that a, a little bit later. Then. See how on point was that? I know, I know. Fantastic. Do you need a referral code? A badge. Oh, okay. 
Um, the other thing that I just wanted to mention was um, our friends up at the North East Sipping Forecast podcast. Um, they're doing quite an ambitious challenge in a couple of weeks. So it's uh, the 24 beer reviews in 24 hours challenge. Um, now, basically, this is because they're planning an audio advent calendar um, running during December. Um, of which they're going to release a, a mini podcast every day uh, and obviously so that means they've got to record a lot of content to, yep. to do that um, so they, they're actually going to record all of that content in one day and in among that they're going to be doing um, things like they're going to do some home brews they're going to go off and serve behind a bar they're going to do a load of other beery activities and they're doing it all for charity as, as well so they're also going to be doing um, a bit of an auction um, which I think is going to be running uh, it's a raffle that I think is going to be running out of the um, the can't remember the name of the place very, the very famous pub in Newcastle Free Trade Inn Free Trade Inn that's it I think it's going to be running out of there um and they're also going to be doing, because recently they've been running um, pre-craft beer hour, they've been running the TWAB quiz. Did I say yeah. that right? TWAB? Yeah. TWAB. I've, I've only ever heard it in my head. It's the first <laughs> time I've ever said it out loud. So they've been running the um, Twitter pub quiz Yeah. Uh, between 8 and 9 on a Tuesday. Yeah, 10, questions, 10 questions, four multiple choice. It's, it's great to get involved in. Uh, they're going to be doing a live version of, of that on... Um, I think they're going to be broadcasting it live on YouTube. Yeah, aren't they doing it Friday the 17th? Friday the 17th, yes, and uh, I'm you, involved. You're involved, are you? Yeah, yours truly is going to be involved in uh, showing just how shit my beer knowledge is <laughs> live to the so, nation. So our podcast could be finished yeah. after that, then. It could be, yeah. So, but um, I'd say support that, because it sounds like it's going to be good, and then definitely check in to the, um, to the 24 reviews during December, because I think the 24th one might be very interesting. If that's the last one that they do of the day, yes, because it's well, that, you, that's going to get more drunk as the day think, goes on. Tw- I think from the teens onwards could be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. So those a um, couple of bits that I've got, we've got beers in front of us, and then yeah. we'll jump back into the news. So what have we got this time, Johnny? Uh, so this time, so from Britain, we've got uh, Unity Coalescence. So Unity are a, a almost exclusively Belgian style brewery down uh, in Portsmouth by a guy called Jimmy uh, and he makes really really good Belgian beer uh, and tops it up with some cans of, of pale ales as well um, and I, I won't say too much about about, about it because it, it's going to be next to Saison Dupont which is the greatest one of the greatest beers in the world uh, certainly the greatest Saison uh, and just an absolute icon of brewing um, just when you when you picture a Saison for me, You're I picture Dupont. Dupont. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I don't know if there's anyone that would really disagree yeah. with that. It's just the spicy dryness. Um, but it's the balance of it. Yeah. Which it's is, balanced. It doesn't go yeah. funky, farmhouse I've, I've gone on records before to say I love it. And, you know, I'm not a fan of the style, but for me, I'm quite happy to drink that. It's an interesting as well, because it, it's a very restrained kind of beer. Like you say, it's very balanced, but it's you know, it's also really heady. It gets, oh, yeah, it's still gets all your synapses yeah, firing. It still, still works, but, like, but uh, it's all in sync. Yeah, my favourite tip, uh, favourite fact about Saison Dupont is that they they ferment it about, about, they think, about 33 degrees. Which any homebrew has just gone, what the heck? Because most of it, you know, maybe 21, 22 degrees. It's a really, really warm fermentation, yeah. only rivaled by like the, the quakes of, of Norway. Um, and that's where they get all the amazing flavour from, and also the super dryness, because it gets gets crazy up in them fermenters. 
and it's yeah, it's a fascinating beer. So shall we uh, crack into Unity yeah. then? Let's, let's so give it a go. Unity must be on this side of the position. Yep. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers. It's really um, it's like got a honey sweetness on the nose for me. Straight away, it's got more going on the the two pale ales yeah. we had. I get honey and ginger. Ginger. Yeah. Yeah. It's really um, bubbly. Bubbly. <laughs> Carbonated is that the technical term? Effervescent. Effervescent. Oh, is that dummy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I needed to after bubbly, really. You know, <laughs> they need to pull the tank out of the yeah. bag. Um, but no, it's really. It feels really lively in the mouth. Yeah. Which, which is really which is what I, yeah. I mean. After me, I don't know about you guys, but that's what I expect from a saison. I expect a saison to be fairly lively and effervescent itself, anyway. Yeah. I mean, that helps with the. The first quenching aspect of it is that liveliness. You know, sometimes when you just want, say, a cold can of soft drink, sometimes yeah. that first cut of mouth or the <laughs> yeah, coat, it's too much. But it just does the job though as well. Then it dies, but that's fine. But because it's done the initial job, the, the, I, I want evanescence in a saison. It's, saison's a weird style, and I'm, maybe somebody can explain it to me. So, saison is named after a saison air. Probably, so the, probably not the us. Workers. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Doubtful. Hey, come on, let's finish. Let's finish, and maybe, maybe you like the details. So, a saison is based on a saison air. So, it's a seasonal workers in the fields, and a saison was brewed around Christmas time, stored, lagered, whatever you want to call it, until and then rolled out during the yeah, harvest. Rolled right? out to refresh the saison airs, right? So, it's supposed to be clean, crisp, refreshing, which it definitely is. Yeah. Highly effervescent, very dry. Um, really, really fruity and yeah. gluggable. But the, the strange thing is, like, they're mostly very strong. Yes, I've always thought that myself as well, because even what I would class as the classic says in the pod isn't exactly a sessionable strength. No. And I'm thinking, right, so they're drinking this to quench their thirst. They're probably drinking, they've probably been a bit more restrained than having 110 milliliter pours. Yeah. How are they still working? But is, is that because. Would, would the alternative have been wine in, in the area? The alternative probably would have been shit water. A bit like London in the, in the you know, 1700s and 1800s. So you're safer drinking... You were safer drinking beer than because were, the water yeah. had been boiled. So yeah, I guess, yeah, there's, there's oh, that, certainly... something to throw in there. Certainly that. So they brewed it at Christmas and maybe over that time it would have, it would have probably had some bread in it. It probably would have fermented yeah, more than yeah. they intended it to. But because water was unsafe, they're like... This is still a better option. Yeah, and probably and had no idea of the ABV either. Yeah, no, they wouldn't have. No. Um, and if they're all drinking it, would you have noticed if someone was drunk? And they'd have, they'd have probably <laughs> known that a beer made at Christmas would taste better than a beer made in April or something, where the fermentation would have just gone, yeah. and you'd have got all those off flavours. The other thing that I learned, talking to Ivan Debates of, of LSN actually recently, uh, we did a video on the Craft Beer Channel about how they used to cut Saison with fresh beer, which wouldn't have been as strong and often it would have been kind of lambicky and sour. So maybe, you know, if this was, if, if a beer came at 8% and you cut it with a new beer that wasn't so well fermented, it may have balanced out a bit lower. But That's interesting. Um, so it was, so some of the beers would have been, the, effectively been a blend at the time then? Yeah, I think pretty much all saisons that were actually given to people in the fields would have been would have been blends. That's not dissimilar to, again, like the porters of, the, of days yeah. gone by. Oh, they were very thinking that, yeah. blends, weren't they? Yeah. So, maybe going in the same direction just using what they had and we were using what we had available yeah. I mean this is um, it's got that it's really sort of grassy yeah. slightly spicy quality hasn't it to it I have clocked actually which is my bad this does, this does have spices in it doesn't say which 
so uh, maybe we can put it in the show notes or something where Saison Dupont is all it's all derived from the yeast all that flavour so there could let's, be a okay. let's, let's have a go let's have yeah. a, a, a taste of this okay. cheers cheers so many cheers it's only polite <laughs> uh, straight away that's for me it's just a bit softer on, it, on everything it's just clean and crisp yeah isn't it it's Again, there's a sweetness in there, floral notes, hardly any spice compared to the other. No, for, for me. And then it's no, that, that just ginger is gone. It's lovely, full. lasting, bitter finish to that. And I, I can't. I've, I've had a few say the ponds in a session, and you can just drink. A few I of could them. see myself coming in from the fields to a cold pint of that. Oh my days, yeah, yeah, because that that would do the job. It's a, it's top top five beers in the world I just you I'm, can't I'm, touch it I'm a massive fan of it and yeah I mean I guess whoever you were going to sort of match it up with is always going to be a bit on the back foot anyway yeah I mean I'm sure Jimmy is is really mortified pleased you did that, that <laughs> I put his beer next to Saison Dupont is um, there do, do you think though because this is part of my issue particularly with Saison's has been uh, some people have taken them in directions that I and have put stuff in them that I just don't ever want to have a beer in a beer do, do you think there aren't enough breweries just trying to do a classic saison which is you know but why would you that's like 225 a bottle how are you going to compete with that in a marketplace do, and do you, think, do you think that's the thing do you think yeah. that people that's they, because they can't compete with it nobody is prepared to do just like a classic basic saison I, th- I think that's certainly I think it's you know it's like it's like why you see everyone who makes a lager in the UK goes oh but it's with American hops and you're like yeah because you can't get the flavour you want that a German can um, I think the same same is slightly true of a saison like you, you taste saison dupont and you, you know you could spend a saison dupont maybe 70 or 80 year old brewery you could spend that time trying to get to where you are and your business would be bankrupt in 10 um, and you probably still wouldn't have managed it. And you still wouldn't have managed it. So I, I get why people add different things or add Brett or barrel age it and stuff like that. And sometimes you end up with sensational beers, but they're very different to Saison Dupont. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, I think there's there's certainly a, a reverence that people can't quite get through. And I think there's a fear that people can't quite get through. But equally, I mean, you, know, you can make a beer like Unity, which is, you know, it's, it's not got quite got the class of Saison Dupont. But, you know, that gingery note and that, Really dry spiciness is really, really pleasing. It's really drinkable. Yeah. It has a yeah. slightly different place to Saison Dupont. I think it's just in the right place, though. There's a line, I think, and then you'd get to the point where you are, Steve, sometimes with these beers, where yeah. it tip you over, where it's too much about the spices which have been added rather than coming from the yeast and, and some of the hops and stuff. That's where I think it falls for you a lot of the time, mm. is when it tips over. Okay, so we've mentioned we've mentioned yeast a lot. I, I'm going to be quite ignorant, ignorant now in terms of what what is it about the yeast in Belgian beers that makes them different science mate <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. brilliant thank you so is yeah. that one done yeah yeah. so straight yeah, I mean yeast has millions of different forms um, like, uh, probably not as many as there are humans on earth but still millions and millions of different different forms uh, different strains so it's just a different strain and different strains like different things so if you if you ferment a yeast warm you'll get different flavours if you ferment it cold. And lots of yeast love to be fermented warm and lots love to be fermented cold. So 
essentially brewing that side of brewing the fermentation side the, the the cold side as they call it is all about doing what the yeast wants to do and belgian strains want to be generally fermented a little bit warmer and you'll get extra flavors as a result so in america on the west coast they had uso5 and those kind of yeast and they're like ferment it basically as cold as we can get away with without getting off flavors so we get as little yeast flavor and we have all the hops just exploding in your face in belgium it was the opposite like they their hops weren't as so they weren't face. using the yeast just as a, a means to an end they were using that to actually impart flavor into the beer as well yeah they use it as, as another ingredient so there are there are belgium yeast strains which are acknowledged as being belgium yeast strains yes i mean if you, yeah, if you go to a homebrew store and you buy that they'll be like well this has a, a banana yeah. ester and, and, and a, and a so clove kind it, of is ester it specifically the belgian yeasts that have that banana-y floral flavour to him or is it the way that they're used that gives that to them so if you, if you, if you was to you mentioned the USO5 yeah. if you was to use that in the way that a Belgian yeast would use would you get the same flavours out of that yeast I think if you treated USO5 like, like Saison du Pondu uh, you'd end up with autolysis which is Marmite flavour dead yeast I don't think it could cope um, however um I mean, the whole New England IPA thing is is essentially where you take a, a British ale yeast, what was used to, used to make bitters, and you ferment it a couple of degrees warmer, and you start getting all these beautiful stone fruit aromas. But you get a little bit in bitters, but that's what you're trying to heighten in a New England IPA. So you can you can treat a yeast badly and get something extra out of it. Um, equally, like in a lager, you over pitch it so that you get as so it has to work as little as possible. There's loads of yeast doing the work. Whereas in, say, a, a kvake, which is this trendy new yeast from Norway, you purposefully underpitch it, and instead of getting quite a saison dry, spicy thing, you suddenly get, again, like that stone fruit kind of thing. So you, you play the yeast how you want to play it as it lays, I think is the saying. Like, you, you work out what you want from the yeast. You pick the yeast, and then you work out exactly what you want from it, and you pick your temperatures and your timings and that from there. It, it, it's amazing what that does to a beer, though, because when we went to Burning Soul in Birmingham, yeah. we were we was drinking their Belgian IPA. Yeah, was that the ten percent one? No, that was the triple IPA. Okay, and and Rich was saying that basically that was for all intents and purposes, it was their standard OCT IPA recipe, and all they'd done was switch the yeast out and they brewed it with Belgian yeast yeah. to, to give a Belgian IPA. And I, I just find that quite amazing. You can you can make one change to a recipe of a beer to create a completely different style of, of beer that gives you so many different flavours and characteristics. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could like with New England versus West Coast, you could literally just change the temperature at which you ferment a yeast at, and you could add your hops a couple of days early, and suddenly you've got a hazy, juicy IPA instead of a. a Piney, citrus really kind one. of IPA. Hold <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, on, we've heard this one before. <laughs> With the same people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna dip in and out of uh, a Belgian brewing <laughs> culture. I, I think as we go through yeah. tonight, because I've, I've got lots that I want to find out about it. Because I do, you, you know, we we joke about oh, it tastes Belgian, and I, you, you know, the, the challenge not to say that tonight. But I do consider myself to be quite ignorant when it comes to, to, to Belgian beers because I, I just I, it's, I think I just don't understand enough about it to understand why I don't enjoy it 
and uh, I think if I can begin to understand what sits behind it a little bit more then that might help bring me around a little bit but it's such a, it's such a mega journey as well like, I mean I'm sure I've said four or five things that are completely wrong and I'm still finding my feet as well so I think most of the reason why people don't like Belgian beer is because there's so much to learn and it's just completely alien to what your home brews and your, your IPAs have taught you no, I'd agree with that yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a lot to learn and a lot to experience I mean most of mine's come just from going to Belgium and just trying different beers in in sort of their home environment yeah yeah you have to taste it and then try and make sense of it which yeah. is yeah. what Steve's doing right now indeed um, and I am enjoying both examples of, of Saison in, in, in front of me but as so you know I've I've, I've gone on record to, before to say that I do enjoy the Saison DuPont so it's it's no surprise there no so we're just gonna let's jump back into the news because yep. I, I know you picked up on uh, a story uh, last week which I know Johnny's gonna have a comment on this one um, so do you, you want to just um, go through this yeah so um, I mean I follow uh, Brasserie Cantillon on Facebook which tends to be where they put out most of their news as far as I can work out um, and they posted something on the 1st of November about uh, their and Johnny can then pick me up on pronunciation in about 30 seconds. <laughs> the uh, Fufone? Fufoon. Oh, it's got one too far. Yeah, so yeah. The Naf or Naf? And Where, where's that? That one. Oh, Naf. Naf and Louis Pepe, Framboise. Lupe? Oh, Louis Pe- <laughs> Pepe. Pepe. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Framboise have already been sold out. They went faster than last year, and I feel we I owe our customers an apology. So they had a number of six bottle boxes and more than 1,000 bottles which were foreseen for the sale and they said uh, more or less or half of this volume was purchased by people who didn't know anything about Lambic and even less about Cantillon and they go on to say most of these customers in speech marks sent by people trafficking which is quite a strong strong word yeah trafficking our beers and reselling them online couldn't even pronounce the name of the brew well I'm guilty of that and I don't traffic <laughs> which is why I'm letting you do this story yeah that's my fault <laughs> Um, or the beer, pronounce the name of the brewery or the beers correctly we fully understand all the complaints we got from Cantillon lovers and we'll do our best to try to solve the problem in the future and give back Cantillon beers to Cantillon drinkers we're already thinking about a couple of possible solutions but if you have an idea that you feel could work please do share with us now I've, I've, I've heard a few interviews with, with Cantillon before and they've, they're very very strong about their beers wanting to go to people who love and respect Cantillon and the Lambic culture. And if I'm fairly, if I remember correctly, I'm sure Beer Merchants had a similar statement a while ago, maybe yeah. a year, two years ago. Um, that, would it? have been February yeah. this year. Oh, is that all? Lambic? Yeah, yeah. Time flies. Um, uh, no, no, sorry, no, it must have been September last year. Right, actually. okay, so, so just over really. Um So, so where, where, you know, what do you think about that statement? It's, it's a very bold statement it's, to put it's out. It's really there. bold, isn't yeah, it? Because, you know, ultimately it's a brewery, they've made some beer, it's been sold. Well, I'm just going to jump in. The, the thing that stands out for me the most is that it, it sounds like people have gone to visit the brewery that have been sent by people that want to sell on the beer that couldn't make it to the brewery to buy the beer so they've essentially they've sent mules to go and pick up the beer and to bring the beer get, back you, to can, the, get, you yeah. can get a 15, 58 pound return ticket to, yeah. to Brussels 10 minutes walk from the station but it might not align with uh, yeah, exactly. with the release which is always the issue with Cantillon um, I, I, I mean when I read that I was shocked that uh, the, the issue has got to the point where people have the gall 
to go into a brewery that they have no idea what it is. Well, maybe it's easier if you don't know what it is. You just walk into this place and go, oh, this is a bit of a spider-infested museum. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll buy that stuff because it's worth $300 online. Um, but, yeah, I'm shocked that they've started to see that. That literally, you know, I don't know, one in whatever, three well, people in the bloody queue yeah. have no idea what they're buying. One in three and maybe even one in two there is fairly much yeah. what they're saying, isn't it? So it, is it people who they can tell just don't know what they're talking about? Or is it someone who's, before they're about to order, has pulled out a list and said, I need X amount of this one and X amount of that one? Um, you know, because I, I mean, I, every time I've gone to Canteon, I have taken tank away, but it's usually been the three bottles that they can put in a box for me. Yeah. Three seven fifties. But you're a beer lover, so yes. you, you go for the purpose of visiting the brewery and to, to, to get the beers. Yes. This is clearly people that aren't necessarily about that and it's, it's, it's other people that are looking to profiteer. Yeah, they're not even, it's not as even like you've said to your mate, oh look, when you're there, can you grab me a bottle? This is, yeah, there's, there's, there's use the word trafficking, like I said, it's a, yeah. that's a heavy word. It's a str- it is a strong there word. Is, yeah. There is no chance that those people are there by accident, like like their mate going, oh yeah, yeah if you're near Cantillon, pop yeah. in and grab me something like they're going to the releases, which are usually a day, maybe two days, in which a world-famous, incredibly rare, incredibly valuable beer are released, and they're going there and going, where's the Cantillon? Like, yeah. I mean, they are definitely there for a money-making scheme. Um, and that, that's desperately sad, because, I mean, I, I don't like the term winification, but what we don't want is for, for what to happen is for beer that is beautiful to be completely hyped up to the point where you, you're spending I mean I've got beers in my stash that are worth five, $500 and I know it but I, d- I don't want to sell it for $500 that's just that's that's sort of propping up that yeah, kind no, of I pricing and, and you know, you know there's, got, there's I've got, beers I've got a lot of Canton in my yeah. cellar because every so often I will then crack one open but again and I've brought, I've brought them to the to the bottle share before because mm-hmm. they're great sharing bottles yeah. to, for, to, for other people to have and you also know they're going to last and mature and change and develop so it is such a shame that people are literally just going there as a business but you you must have seen this as well because you like say you put out that statement on on beer merchants what was it that triggered that for you to do it because you must have seen some sort of action on your website or online that indicated that people weren't just buying the beers because they wanted the beers? Yeah, so, so we know on Beer Merchants, uh, one of the benefits of, of big data and knowing everything about your customers is that we know exactly where that bottle went when we ship it out, and we know exactly where that beer ends up. Um, so, you know, if, if you buy it and you do a, uh, an Instagram post saying, hey, I drank it, we can trace that, and we go, hey, great, you enjoyed your beer. When we see this person bought it, or we see somebody with the same surname or somebody in the same town, who's then selling it for $500 online, you go, well, I know exactly where that one came from because technically we're the only legitimate importer of Cantium. So it can't have come from elsewhere unless you've been to the brewery or it's near Swansea Day where a couple of other people get held an allotment, quite yeah. rightly. So we, we put out that because we knew that half the people buying online from us, from beer merchants, were trading it. So, so we which put is out, fairly much the same as what they're saying here. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's yeah one they're or two just again. doing it the brewery, not from us. Um, and there's a there's a double annoyance for us because you know to to some extent if you're buying it from the brewery you can go right well fair play you've somebody's put that in place they've gone right you're my friend in Europe please go here and I'll pay you whatever it costs to buy it and get it off you and you're like if you want it that much it's not a huge amount county I can do so I really sympathise with them and I really hope when they say they've got some solutions in place they mean that and they're not sort of being threatening and I really really hope they do and yeah, I trust that they will 
Um, I'm sure that I, I think they'll definitely be aiming to because of yeah. their ethos and how strongly they feel about it. I just think it's quite hard. It's, it, it will it's be interesting to, to see what they're planning on yeah. doing to to stop it from happening. But it's, it's doubly hard in the UK because we. You know, we've been importing. Sorry, I say we. I'm I'm only 30, whereas the company's 38. <laughs> um, but they've Cave Direct have been importing that beer since the 80s. We've been supporting that brewery since the 80s. When they would have been the only lambic producer at the time, anyway. Uh, no, I there were a couple. Was there was Boone and um, uh, Lindemans were still around. Um, but so we, we'd have been bringing that in. It would have been sat on dusty shelves. But Colin brought it in because he loved the beer. And he knew it was brilliant, and I guess he thought at some point it would have this explosion. And what's really frustrating is we've been given the same allocation that whole time, and we fought for it hard because everybody started wanting that allocation. And we've kept it, and then we find that when we're giving it to people who we think are going to appreciate it as much as we do, they're just selling it for 300 quid online. And it's galling because we're stopping people who love that beer in the UK getting to try it. There's so many people that have never tried Fafoon, and it's one of the best beers in the world. And we learn that somebody in America is getting their tenth bottle because they earn a million quid a month, and they can afford to buy it from all around the world. And like, it, it, like I'm probably getting red in the face now. It's yes. one of it yes. drives For the benefits me, of podcast listeners. He is getting red in the face. <laughs> drives me fucking mad. <laughs> <laughs> and people that these entitled people that go like, oh, it's my it's my thing, so I can trade it for this New England IPA that will taste the same as Cloudwater anyway. Why, why are you doing that when you have this thing that took, took three or four years to make that everyone is craving and you're training it for something you could get at home for five quid a can like how that is purely selfish what they're doing and it's, so we're trying everything we can to make sure that the right people get their hands on the beer so what, what, okay so right Cantillon are you know they're a relatively small operation when you actually go to the brewery you know it's, it's family it's friends that who run it isn't it yeah so you know they're, they're not vetting they're not necessarily trying to vet people so, but, but as an online what can you do to limit can, do you limit the amount of stock that people buy yeah well so I mean most of what we buy goes into trade and we have to trust that those people know their customers that they sell it to uh, the stuff that stays on beer merchants which is the special beer is about three cases we so we 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 look at who's buying it and we look and if we see any evidence of trading they're blacklisted right and they can buy whatever they want but when it comes to uh cantillon trifontaine and a couple of the beer cells like the really high value stuff they're not allowed to buy it and they can put an order in and we'll cancel it and we have a list of people and if them or we suspect anyone who might be buying it for them is buying it we cancel the order so beer merchants have a blacklist yeah yeah and we're you know we have eyes on all the trading forums. We know when stuff's going out and when it's going in. Um, so there's, it slips through. We know it does. We know that some of our Cantillon ends up in the States, but we're trying our absolute darndest to make sure it stays in the UK where the UK people who have their UK allocation can actually have a chance of getting the bottle. I mean, it's so good this, is, this is a side of beer that is, is really uncomfortable to, to me. And I, I, I wasn't aware of the, the whole beer trading thing really until a few months back when the guys at Beernomicon did a whole episode about yeah. beer trading and I was listening to them chatting to a beer trader and the whole episode made me feel really uncomfortable because I was just like fucking hell this is it feels really shady What what's going but on if you're trading to America it's literally illegal because you cannot post across states alcohol in America so as soon as you send to America you're breaking the law so we have no bones about going if you trade to America you're breaking the law we're not going to sell to you again yeah. and, and, and same for, for them sending it to us because I mean the 
it'll come up more ne- when we do our next show. But you know, it, I, could, I knew the rules, I knew the law, but there were so many beers I wanted to get from this place. I went to, I said, "Oh, you know, can you ship to UK?" So we can't ship anywhere. Mm. Can't ship out the state. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just the way they, they all know that. They all know that completely. Um, I, I probably found the uh, trading thing less comfortable if it's like swaps. Swaps is fine, but and some of the beers they were talking about weren't super rare in the States. They might be rare to us. Yeah. And vice versa. So someone getting a few cloud water over and sending it over and someone getting another, you know, other half and bringing it over here. Didn't yeah, seem so bad. We, we have no issue with that. That's, if you, a, if that's you're, a swap. If you're trading something that is in plentiful enough supply, you're trading like for like, that's okay. Like, I mean, I, I've traded with people in Europe, uh, like different IPAs or different Sabias from the UK. But... If, if it was a limited run like when when Cloudwater first exploded and they were like dipper threes flying around and no one could get hold of it I'd have never have traded that but now on beer merchants we, we anyone can get hold of that if they want it's on when Cloudwater dippers come out it's on our site for two or three weeks yeah. everyone has a chance it's not like it disappears in an hour no so there's it's a grey area like it's a what you call shades of grey yeah I know, I know what you're saying I think there's it becomes a point where it's not just like minded people wanting to share it becomes trading proper yeah. trading yeah you know we're, we're gone past the football cards in the uh, in the playground stage. yeah to selling the cards and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. saying oh, I'm the only one who's got this badge who wants it yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's probably what makes me uncomfortable yeah right? and then when you hear words like trafficking being used in a statement it's about beer yeah, <laughs> which, yeah. Is, which is, is it's strong but the, the emotions are strong as yeah. well I mean we every time oh, Cantillon re- gets you, released you, can, you read that statement and yeah. you can read how yeah, they're, they're passionate. Genuinely they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's only like I mean, I've tried to invoke that as well with traders that I've spoken to. Like, you're upsetting the guy that made this. How does that not register emotionally to you? Yeah. It's got to. Hasn't it? <laughs> it just doesn't seem to. Yeah. Be. I don't think if people see dollar or pound or euro signs, perhaps they can just bypass it all. But I guess because all three of us and people who listen to the show are are passionate about our beers, we get it. Yeah. We get that statement for me rang so true. You could tell that it was upset. Yeah, yeah. They were upset about the what had happened. Yeah. So let's try and bring this back to the good side of beer. Good side, uh, yeah, we like that. We prefer the good side of beer, yeah, don't we? Yeah, yeah let's. Um, so we're moving on to our next pairing of, of, of beers now. Johnny, what have we got coming up now? Uh, so from the UK, we have Brew by Numbers, um, who, they get a lot of love, but I still think they're underrated. Absolutely. Um, so they make some, some great hazy IPAs, but they also make some fantastic Belgian stuff, which is where they started really when they were homebrewing um, so we've got their triple uh, trip to, uh, triple Hallertau Blanc so which is a, a new new style German hop um, based obviously on Hallertau the, the, uh, the lager hop essentially yeah. um, and I guess from, from the word Blanc you'd be expecting some wine flavours perhaps yeah, maybe some wheat, yeah. or maybe yeah, some yeah. wheaty notes and that's going up against that's going up against Westmount Triple so. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise to Brew My Numbers for really setting them the ultimate task again another, yeah. another classic in the range indeed yeah. I have to say so far you have picked some the first one was unfamiliar to me from Brasserie de la Samba Saison Dupont would have been one I would have picked and Westmount Triple yeah well they call Westmount Triple the mother of triples because it was the first one so I think it was 1905 it was first brewed so it was the first of its style um, and yeah, some people talk about Tripper calmly in the same breath, but uh, no, I mean that's a nice beer, but it's not up there. It's, not it's the more same. medicinal, it's more dry, it's not as good. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a different word. 
And, and if, if our listeners didn't already know, and I can't believe it's taken us this long to mention it, but you can get all of these beers in a box from Sorry, beer yeah. yes. See, like I say, not a salesman. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, if you haven't already got it, then shame on you for, for not having already bought the Drink yeah. Along beers. But there will be a link in the show notes to, to, to the box that you can yeah. still get. Thank you to 20, 22 quid for yeah. all four And you can use the discount. And you can, which is brilliant. That's still, a 20 quid you, you, with yeah, the discount. Yeah. use the discount yeah. as well on that. So, yeah. so, so thank you very much. So uh, let's have some beer. Okay. And then we'll do the final news story because we're still We've on We've got another news. one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that for? I wonder. <laughs> so, um, uh, so presumably we're going to dive into the brew by numbers first of all then. Yep. Yep, okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Trying to nick your beer. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's got a lovely nose, isn't it? Yeah. It has. It's um, really vibrant on the nose. Very fresh. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you said the... Uh, the Blancs. I mean, it's definitely got. This isn't clear, is it? No. If you compare it to the to the West Mile, <laughs> yeah, which is crystal clear. Yeah. So we're almost got hazy. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd expect a little bit of haze from West Mile. So I'll just check how old this is. Actually, I didn't check when I packed it. Uh, it's old beer. No, no. Well, I mean, with West Mile triple, it doesn't really matter. I was going to say, but would you have... expect it to be much hazy? I mean, I've never really had. Yeah, I, I think you'd expect. I mean, I mean, viewers can't see, but that that's. Cri- well, there's some clumpiness, but it's almost crystal clear. Whereas I associate Westmore Triple with having just a touch of. That's superbly drinkable from Brew by Numbers. I wouldn't. I'm not sure I would actually pick it out as a triple. No, that, I'm that, not sure. That, I would that Hanatau really comes through, doesn't it? Making it really crisp. I think on the nose it's more triply than on the on the on the flavour. Yeah, it's sweet. There's there's a there's a real sweetness mm-hmm. initially to it. But sometimes you get that with the, the halatau with pills in it as well, don't you? With the, yep, the lagering, yeah. um, and that softens, and there's 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 really no, not really, there's, a, there's no bitterness to the finish. No, it's, it's a really smooth finish. On what, I think, yeah, it's lightened by what uh, percent? Eight yeah. five? Yeah, eight five. Doesn't drink as eight five. No, I, don't I would think never have called that that high. That drinks as easy as a brew by numbers pale. Five to six, maybe yeah. tops. Yeah. It's very, very soft, very well balanced. It's got, I think, because it doesn't have bitterness, but it does have an edge of acidity, which I think is probably yeah. perceived, and it's from that blanc, that that notion of there being some kind of white wine flavours to it. Mm. It's got, which it's makes it much lighter. It's got that dryness about uh, yeah. uh, a dry white wine, hasn't it? At the yeah. end, the, the bit the back end of it. So let's try the uh, the, the West Mile trickle next to it. Then cheers. Completely different on the nose. Completely different on the nose. Almonds and nail polish and banana. Fucking hell, you've got a good nose. <laughs> Drunk a lot of Westmouth. I, I, I was trying to find words to describe that, and all I could come up with was Belgian. <laughs> but that's why we brought a guest on. Yeah. But I, I've always been a big fan of the West, oh, well, all the Westmouth range. For me, I could drink. I, and I, oh, think, I think once or twice I have drunk more of this than I should have done because it's so drinkable. That is that is really lovely. And then, and then, good. And then left the venue <laughs> and gone, oh. Just where you hit, feel the cold air hit you and you go, oh, yeah. whoops. That's got loads of body to it. It's it, it You really feel it in your mouth. Yep. And I'd, I'd say that's probably certainly what I'm getting. You're getting a little bit more on the the, the malt side with that as well, so, so you're getting a lot more of that. It's got that slight tongue coat, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think you get some of those uh, like um, wheat beer flavours and mm. characteristics to it, 
without it being that body the body yeah. of a wheat beer which is probably where you were coming from with that maybe that on when it's really fresh you get a little bit of haze on it as well but um i'm, I'm getting those wheaty characteristics that i get yeah yeah i mean it has a lot in common with german german beer like the yeast does have that banana clovey kind of thing it's yeah. not not as sweet but again i mean this is what eight and a half or nine Nine, I think. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think Nine it's a, five. I think it's a really Blimey. easy. It's uh, nearly ten percent. See, I'd say I. Uh, you can feel the ABV more on that. I one. think you can feel the ABV more. I still don't think it feels like nine. But it is, it's a percent more because nine five. Yeah. So it's that's a big old beer. Yeah, but it's superbly drinkable. If, yeah. if it's an, uh, an older beer that might ferment a little bit further, it could easily be ten. Yes. And then double figures. You can you can you can picture it getting bigger. Yeah, you can I'm, imagine it. I'm, I'm beginning to see with that why people lose their shit over this style so much <laughs> because that you, is, is beginning to get into that sort of characteristic that I like in a big beer where I would maybe pour myself that on a winter's evening and, and, and sit and enjoy that throughout it's, the It's evening. got that slight sticky barley wine yeah. Yeah. feel to it. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd go with that. It's, you can imagine if they, did, if they did carry on fermenting it up to say 11 or 12 you'd definitely be in that barley wine slightly thicker mouthfeel characteristics as well. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. So we haven't so so far. Just so on our our Belgian check, you've enjoyed all of them so far. Yeah. But have you preferred just that curiosity, the Belgium or, or UK? Um, I think where we are now, the the only one where I've maybe enjoyed the UK style more, maybe would have been the first one, Plan B, because that was kind of more. To my palate, yeah, there was a it was a much more uh, anglicised yeah. version of it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, but other than that, I'd say yeah, Belgium are probably two one up at the moment. Oh, yeah. but we're still, we're still we're still we're still we just started that. To be fair, that won't be the only time that happens. <laughs> um, Someone right. beating England two one. So, <laughs> last news story. Um, it's a big one. I forgot it, about the news. This is this is a big one, and we are still going. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we are still going. Um, so, uh, beer merchants. Yeah, open up a tap room. Fuck, crowdfunding it as yeah. well. Um, I'm not even going to read the news. Tell us. Tell yeah, us. you don't need a bit of yeah, paper. Yeah, sell it. Come on. Well, you so said you're not a salesman. So we. So I have these two hats on. So we have Cave and we have beer merchants. Cave. It's actually Cave. Education is really important to what Cave does. So. Uh, make sure that beer's served right, that we're buying the right beers, that we're telling people, you know, take that crappy lager off tap and put something like, put a German beer on. And the only way you can do that is by teaching them. So we wanted an educational space. Our office, I don't know whether you... Did you ever... It was, it, it was a beautiful building, the Hop Exchange in central London, by London Bridge. But it was not a place you wanted to bring people once you got into our office, because eight guys in a small pale, office. the Pale Blue building? Yeah, with the pillars, yeah, just by Borough Market. German bar downstairs. Yeah, yeah cats and jammers. Yeah. Um, so this office it, it, it wasn't working as a hub where you could teach people about beer so we started to look at getting a bottle shop um, and as with everything at Cave uh, that idea spiralled out of control and we found this site were you sitting down drinking Belgian beers one yeah, night talking yeah, about it yeah had some 9.5% West <laughs> Mile um, and yeah we came across this site in Hackneywick a big so it's 3,000 square foot inside 2,000 square foot outside so 5,000 square foot overall big site um and we just kind of fell in love with it because it's a beautiful old warehouse right in the heart of this new East London development where obviously there's Howling Hops and uh, there's Crate and there's Mason and Co who are creating this amazing vibrant brewing scene uh, and we were like well having a bar there would be amazing uh, but then the landlord was like I want a brew pub in there which we disagreed with we were like there's 
two great brew pubs and a, essentially a brewery tap in Mason and Co who have five 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 points beers yeah. on. So we started thinking about a different way of doing it, uh, and we looked at the fact that we're all huge Why, Belgian sorry, beer lovers. Why was the landlord so keen on having a brew pub in there? Did he? Because he's obviously seen. Yeah, I think he, I think he's seen places. the success that the other guys yeah. had. Right. He he also he owns he owns some pubs already, and he he knows his beer as well. Right, so, so I think just it's a bit of a passion project yeah. that he thought, okay. hey, it'd be cool if somebody was making beer in my property. Um, Fair enough. So we came to him instead with a brew pub thing because we, we homebrew, but we weren't ready for a, an outlay on a 10, 10 heck brewing system and all that kind of stuff. And we came to him with the idea. We were sat drinking beer and went, we should do a blendery. Like we've we've got duration, burning sky, uh, and wild beer. And now Brewdog have a cool ship, and we're getting a cool ship. Surely there's a place for a blendery in the UK to do Belgian style lambic inspired beer. And we went to went to the landlord with that, and he absolutely loved it. And we we were up against some other brew brew pub companies um, who also wanted the space, and our idea won out because. It added something different to the area. We yeah. weren't going to be another Crate or Howling Hops because I don't think we'd have produced beer as good as either of them. Like, Crate have come on leaps and bounds recently if you, if you haven't been there recently. Uh, and Howling Hops made great beer. So as soon as we had that idea, we were just like, we have to do this. And we had the contacts um, to get the training done. And we've got a consultant on board who's going to help us do it. Um, because obviously, you know, learning blending takes years because you don't get to taste anything for years. Mm. So we're going to have a consultant helping us out. We're buying beer from the UK blend, uh, breweries to blend uh, to create quite a traditional style uh, style of, of pub. So in, in Belgium, they used to have the breweries that would produce the wort and they'd ship it to the pubs and the pubs would age it themselves in their barrels, blend it and serve it there and then. So we're bringing that back. That's kind of died out. Now the blenderies are their own sites like Tilcan de Cam. So... We've got the blendery in one room, and then next door we've got a bottle shop, which is a physical extension of beer merchants. We're going to have about 700 of the 1,000 beers we have, including a great vintage range. So we've been storing uh, Cantillons, Orvals, uh, the Oud Lindemann stuff. Got lots of stouts in there for going back three or four years. So we're going to keep aging those and sell those as and when we think they're ready. Uh, and then we've got 24 taps to make a big, lively kind of German in beer hall but much more comfortable vibe so just, the, just the, as a pub the 24 taps that'll be more what just stuff that's on available now that won't yeah. be yeah, exactly, fixated yeah. on ageing yeah. so we'll have Kona and Paulana as our house beers because they're Cave's main main uh, main breweries and then we'll have 20 taps behind that and the tap wall there'll be all our specialist stuff so all our British all our weird Belgians some exciting Americans we've been talking to some pretty exciting breweries one really exciting brewery from the, from the US that we're going to be getting in in January especially for the launch um, lots of Norwegian stuff because obviously we import Lervig and Linheim who are just their spontaneous beer and their stuff is out of this world um, so it's going to be really exciting and really different to Mason & Co and Craig yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think you probably have to be a bit pitch yourself a bit differently anyway don't you yeah so basically yeah. so there's three elements there's the blendery the shop and the bar and the bar yeah so in addition to all of that, you've just made an announcement literally yesterday. Mm-hmm. What what what's, what's this? So yesterday we announced all the plans for the blendery, which we've been keeping under wraps because we've still been finalising different bits. Um, so yeah, it's it's all British wort. So wort's the sugary, sticky liquid that is produced in a very special way in the Pajotan land where they make Lambic. So some UK breweries are making that kind of thing, and we're going to be buying that. So duration... Uh, Wild Beer and Burning Sky are going to help us out 
So we'll buy their work, we'll barrel age it uh, to make a blend. We're not going to call it a Gers because it's not a Gers, it's not from the Lambic region. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to all be un- uh, under the umbrella of Good Company Blending. Um, which is the name of the main name of the blender we were founding. Uh, and on top of the lambic inspired stuff, we're going to be doing some 50/50 blends, which uh, is a very small niche style of lambic where they get a virgin oak barrel instead of an old like white wine or lager barrel. Uh, 50 50% fruit, 50% young lambic. Age it for six months, comes out like a Rioja, and it's outrageous. It's oh, just I'm incredible stuff. Loving the sound of that. Yeah. Um, so Drifontaine make it and call it Robin. Uh, Hanson's making it call it 100%, which is <laughs> less imaginative. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to make that style. And then the final sort of racks, we've got three racks of brewery, of uh, barrels. The bottom rack, or the top rack probably, is going to be beers from our the breweries that we import. So people like Lervig, where we're going to age, say, their Emporia Stout, Conrad Stout, in special barrels that, I don't know, may have had Lambic in or may have had a, a British spirit in and different stuff, just to experiment. And that will be largely led by the brewer. So we'll say, we've got these barrels ready. What beer would you want to put in it? And they'll ship us over some and we'll do that and serve it purely in the beer merchant's tab. So when, when people invest, yeah, they're investing in building this place, yep. essentially in helping you build this place. What are they getting back for, 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 for putting in? Yeah, so they're doubling their money in the bar. So for every quid you put into our crowdfunding, you get two quid to spend in the bar. It's only drinking stuff. Uh, which includes the fridges, would include the blender if you were there on the right day, but that's years away until <laughs> yeah. that's ready. But there's no time limit. On there's no time limit. So you, either, yeah, you, so, you could yeah. you could save up for three years, um, and if you did, I'd shake your hand because uh, we're going to have some crazy stuff in before that. But yeah, so you, you double your money, and you also get five percent off beer merchants for life on top of. Uh, so if you're part of the beer merchants club, which is our subscription club, because they get five percent off already, you'll get ten percent because obviously that's only fair. So yeah, so it's not like your conventional crowdfunder where you get equity or you get a t-shirt. It's literally you're going to double your it's money. pound for pound. Yeah, pound for two pound. So I think it's quite good. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. And how's it going so far? It's, it's, going, it's going, going pretty well. well it, it? it absolutely flew. And I think we targeted right all the, the nerdy beer lovers just like us. And then we need to find that next, the, the next market out. Um, so, I mean, we've got West Ham what, nearby. What market out there doesn't appreciate getting three-year-old Belgian style well, no, no. sour getting two quid for every pound oh I see that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what market yeah, does not appreciate doubling your money <laughs> well so we've got West, the West Ham Stadium pretty nearby so we, I don't know we might risk our lives and fly her there in a probably not in my Tottenham hot, uh, oh, my, I might take my pledge back then they're going to go down that route <laughs> who do you support we'll go there too oh I'm Liverpool so no in here no we'll go I promise <laughs> <laughs> they have shit beer Can't in Liverpool spell. Oh, at the, the ground. At the stadium, yeah. It's well, I mean, we're boat. not going to be serving in the West Ham Stadium. I'm sure that's tied up. But uh, you will be able to come to us before and afterwards and have, no, those have are, over those are the days 750 I won't beers. Oh, right, okay. I'll avoid the days when West Ham are playing at home. <laughs> so that, um, your whole crowdfunding thing really inspired this week's topic. And yes, folks, we've well, finally we, got there. We did a topic. <laughs> we, we did. We, no, we didn't. <laughs> we, did, we, we actually did do a topic this week. Yeah, we did, we did have a poll. The, the whole thing about you guys launching uh, your crowdfunding campaign was what kind of fueled this week's uh, discussion point for our listeners. Opinions, 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 opinions. Opinions. So we asked about crowdfunding in beer, um, simply asking it's great or I'm not bothered. 
269 votes, 43% went for it's great, 57% just simply aren't bothered. Yeah, I, I think we can start getting into that, but that, that was, I was a bit surprised that I the, I'm surprised. not bothered, I have to admit. But I think that also possibly fueled the reactions that we got as well, because... But there were a few people who voted, not, I'm not bothered, and then said, but I've done it. Yeah, there's or I've more, done it for the more. right reasons. Yeah. Now, from what I saw, and, and we do, as always, have a lot of comments, which we're always really grateful for, a lot of it really fell into maybe three or four categories for me. Yeah. There was the category of people that have or will never invest in Brewdog. There was the category of people, and there were a lot of people that commented about investing in Beer Nouveau yeah. as well. And then there were a lot of comments about investing in beer merchants. And then there was everything else. Yeah, which yeah. is which is what we're kind of hoping for. Yeah. Um, so they were the three um, distinct... Um, camps, I suppose. What, what are we starting on? Should we start on the on, as we're recording in Brewdog? Let's let's start on Brewdog. Yeah, I, I, I think. Well, let, let's start on. I don't think we've ever really finished. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's the way they love it. That it is. It is. So, um, well, well, I'm I'm going to jump in here. I invested in Brewdog in in the last round um, of VFP because I wanted to be part of that club. Uh, I suppose I wanted to so are you EFP4 I'm EFP4 and this is EFP5 now that they've just launched right. yeah. yeah so but my primary reasons for investing were twofold well threefold um, firstly was to get a discount when I came into bars yeah which today found out why we were having a couple yeah man I got before, a cheap burger so. before we started <laughs> uh, apparently before 5 o'clock you can now get 25% discount on beer yeah, if you're an EFP holder. Okay, that might definitely sway my opinion about that city <laughs> which, bar. Which is, which is, according to the, the fantastic bar stuff upstairs, the same as what they get, discount-wise. So that that was news to me. So clearly I need to read more of my Brewdog email. I've been, I've been, I think that may have changed, because I've been here with Clayton before. It is, it's, it's new, it's coming with the EFP 5 round. Right. They've upped every, all the previous investors' discounts again. Like they've done every time they've introduced that, a new round. But for EFP five holders, it still only says um, doesn't say twenty five percent daytime discount. Even yeah. different. But it should still say it. It should, yeah. So maybe so, maybe it's somewhere. Maybe I need to. Maybe it will by yeah. Thursday because Steve Leland emailed me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, the second reason was to to get a discount on the on, the online stuff because it's a it's a reasonable discount. I, I get twenty percent on online purchases from Brewdog. And occasionally they do have some really good guest beers. Yes. So it's it's worth jumping in on twenty percent for that. And and finally it was and this is probably the, the, the main reason was because you get access to some of their special releases a day before anybody else does. So and, and that was probably the thing that really swung it for me. So that was why I invested at, at that point. I, I imagine that a lot of people invested for that latter reason. Yeah. And that bit about being, especially the early investors in, in uh, Brudel was about being part of that club. And I think I think that, that echoes a lot of yeah. what some people were saying in terms of they were early investors in Brewdog. So um, Mike Hampshire at Nature1982 uh, bought Brewdog shares in EFP3. Reason was to be part of something awesome. Don't think I would participate in any other. Um, and then Darren Oakley also said, it's uh, at Daz Oakley, mixed opinions. First three rounds of Brewdog were great. It felt like we were helping a small company grow. 
by EFP4, it felt like they were money grabbing. Same deal with some other much newer breweries, not even brewed a pint yet, and they're asking for tens of thousands. Oh, I might leap in on that one. I think that's wrong. I don't think you can be asking for money before you brew beer. No, but but I, I've I, I, I was trying to do some research, but I couldn't find any of these breweries that are supposedly asking for money before they start brewing beer. Unless people are going straight from home brewing to I mean, commercial. beer merchants comes to mind, but... <laughs> but as, as you said earlier, what is it, 38-year track record yeah. of being part of the beer industry? <clears throat> you're, you're not just going in blind, are you? No, God, no. No. No, no, eyes wide open. Yeah. Not, so, not in the uh, film Unless way, there are people who just, like, within two or three months of releasing a couple of commercial brews, but I don't think you should be pitching up straight away then. That's too early. No. I mean, I get... I, so the way we feel about it, we had long conversations about whether we wanted to, to do crowdfunding, is, is because it shouldn't be seen as a substitute for the profit you're making that you're reinvesting. So what we're doing is not because we couldn't do it. Like if, if we don't get the money, beer merchant still happens. Beer merchant's tap still happens. We're doing it because it reduces our lending costs. And also, it is good publicity. It's, yeah, it's great publicity. It means because that people are going to come through our doors the moment it opens. Yeah, but also people ready to spend. tweet about the crowdfunding. People retweet about the crowdfunding. I mean, I noticed one today from uh, Pete, good friend of the show. Yeah. When he retweet, he uh, po- did a short post about uh, Gypsy Hill. Yeah, it was who he invested yeah. in. Yeah. Now, Gypsy Hill, are, a lot of the time, are off my radar, purely based where they are. Don't see their beers out there often. I've seen them at the brewers' markets. That's about it. But they have pitched it slightly different they're, they're going for a very ethical you know they really want to be part of the community they want to get everyone involved yeah and but I wouldn't have known about much about what Gypsy Hill were doing if it hadn't been for them doing a crowdfunding which then Pete then spoke about so I think there is also a publicity thing here as well yeah you know it, it does two things I think it helps you raise money but it helps you raise awareness do, do you think part of it is the, the community that's driving it though as, as well yeah, but I mean, if we go back to Pete's thing, it's because that's something he's particularly interested in is the ethical side of it, the living wage, you know. He likes that. He likes them putting that front and centre. So he did a post, retweeted it, you know, and it's sort of grown from there. And that's how I found out about it. Um, I'm not, I, I'll never admit to being so so big on that kind of stuff myself when I first read something, but it got the word out there. That's what I'm saying. So there is a twofold one you're raising money but one you're advertising it so even if I don't invest like you just said Johnny I might still turn up at the room though the tap room and say well okay well I didn't invest but I like what they're doing yeah I'll, I'll rock up and I'll still spend some money so it's, I think it's a twofold so and, and we had lots of people talking about the beer merchants one saying that literally the the idea of doubling your money you just can't turn that offer down because it's like you, you know, for everything I'm investing, I'm getting twice that back. Yeah, and it's there's not many investments where that, that, but where re- that actually where happens, that return yeah. on your investment is guaranteed. Speaking as a banker, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we we. I, I mean, it sounds really cheesy to say, but we literally we would not have done it unless we could have offered an incredible deal to the customer because. We like if you speak to Colin and Neil, they hate crowdfunding, really. Yeah. And and I'm not I'm not 100 percent sold by it. But the fact that because of the margins that we make, as we've got nobody in between us, we import it and we sell it. So we have a lovely margin to work with, and we were just like, hey, we can offer free beer to people, and in return, we don't have to pay the banks as much when we lend when we borrow. See, I was gonna I was gonna ask I was gonna ask a, re- a really honest question in terms of, are you? Is there a point where you could lose money over this? 
if, if too many people invest that double your money, is there a point where you guys are like, shit, we're, we're actually eating into our profits now? I, I, th- I think all it's going to do is seriously skew our... You know, if you sat down with your balance sheet and, and somebody went, how much money did you make? You're like, well, actually, we gave away more than we... Uh, yeah, it was skewing your first year numbers. Yeah, but we're, we're prepared to do that because in the long run, we will save money. We because make no you're not, loss. you're not paying interest to the banks. Exactly. And, and we, you haven't got debt on the balance sheet, have you? Exactly. Banker of the room knows what we were thinking. Well, not what I was thinking. I was the marketing guy who went, yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll email my mates. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll all invest. They'll all invest. <laughs> I'll yeah. just say some free beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the, in terms of profit, there's not a huge amount in influence, but we save lots of money on lending, and we get the word out there that it's happening. And um, you know, the blendery could could like literally, we could pour away every single barrel we ate. <laughs> could go horribly wrong, but we'd still have people coming through the door, asking about it, talking about it, drinking the beers, taking beer away. It's all promotion for beer merchants, and more importantly, possibly than all of that, because beer merchants are only 5% of what we do. Cave Direct is 95% of our turnover, and we now have a training facility where we can invite our customers. We've got nearly 2,000 pubs to buy from us, some of whom are pouring very bad cast beer, even though we're selling them nice cast beer, or are buying the wrong beer for their customers, or don't know when their, their lines need to be cleaned or how to clean it. And now we have a state. We will have a state-of-the-art seller where we can bring these people and go. Look, this is how you look after a line. This is how you sell to a customer. This is how this beer is made. And you know, it's going to be my office as well. So we're saving money in the office. Like, we just want to make the best pub experience possible, so that we can then go to our customers and go. This is how it should be done. Mm-hmm. So long as we actually nail that that's how it's supposed to be done, and it's not just yeah. So, so the you're worst using it as it's essentially you're using it to complement a bank loan that you're going to have to take out anyway. Yeah, for it. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be borrowing just helping some reducing money. the amount exactly. of that, that borrowing. Exactly, it's reducing it, and it's 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 getting the word out there. Whereas if you go to a bank and borrow stuff, who knows about that other than you and the bank manager? Mm. It's not it's not helping no. your bar other than you getting some money. So so that's how we've treated it. We've treated it as a way to get the word out there and a way to not have to give money to a bank instead we can give the money to our potential customers. Which isn't dissimilar to EFP, surely. So equity for pubs is a big, is as much as it's about getting the money and surely it's a publicity as well because even if they never reach their target, that that will still happen. EFP5 will still go ahead. But yeah, I mean EFP4 fell well short of the target that they they aimed for. But it will still happen. And then they called up pop chips and went, "Hey!" So it's, it's still gonna, it's still gonna be, it's still gonna be there. But again, the word goes out every so often. The word goes out. Yeah, yeah. Because there was one person that, that commented on on that specifically. So um, Edward Miller, Mil, Milburn at I'm underscore Ed underscore M. If there was a convincing business case, surely they'd all be getting a bank loan. So. Well, no, not necessarily, because again, as, as uh, Johnny's already said, as soon as you get a bank loan, you can present the best business case, but you're still paying for that bank loan. You still yeah. pay probably more than, so if, like, you know, with what, with what Johnny's explained with Cave Direct and Beer Merchants, they're, they're, they're their own middleman already. So they're not paying that money to someone else in between. So there is an element of a margin to play with. If you don't have to pay for it, a bit like when you borrow from your parents. So you might, you know, they might say, well, you've got to pay me back by a certain time, but they might even say you have to add a bit on. It'll still be less than whatever you would have paid to the banks. That's true, yeah. To borrow that money. So if you're paying out less, 
as a business case, that's always got to be good. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you're building a conservatory in your home, your, your first thought is, "Oh, I'll go to the bank," because if it's a good, if it's going to be a good conservatory, then the bank will pay. Like, it, it, it just doesn't quite com- it, like it makes sense monetary wise, but you just like there's going to be lots of different ways that will benefit you more than literally going to a bank taking their money and then giving them more money back like that, that's what the whole crowdfunding thing is about and I listened to Matt Curtis interviewing um, uh, interviewing uh, James from Brewdog in which they, he talks about crowdfunding being a bubble and it's absolutely not like it is genuinely a different model to borrowing from a bank and borrowing from a bank will always have a place because uh, it's very secure and literally money is the only thing you owe but there is there is there is now always going to be a market for somebody that doesn't want to go through a bank for whatever reason whether it's PR or whether it's because they think they can offer something else it isn't part of crowdfunding though how I don't know whether innovative is the right word but how exciting the offer is as, as, as well in terms of what I don't know some crowdfunding pictures have sounded awfully dull to me yeah, if, if you look back over <laughs> some of the more successful ones that have we've seen recently so probably you know maybe you could go to the early phases of, of Brewdog maybe the first two or three rounds were very successful in terms of, of what they achieved I would still argue the latter ones successfully think about how much they raised regardless of what happened Camden raised an awful amount of money with their Hell's Razor and people made a lot of and return and people on made a, a, a lot of return so if you're yeah, talking about, I've never invested in crowdfunding but man I wish I'd invested in capital <laughs> but if, you, if you've got you know if you're looking at return on investment which is what a bank is looking at then when they lend their money but return on your investment for Camden was brilliant yeah for the amount of time you had that money in there that was a superb return and it was yeah. cash so our return our return that, yeah. on investment at beer merchants Yes, we're getting two pounds for every pound, but we're getting in beer. We get the most liquid form of cash you can probably get, literally. But as part of the Hellraisers, you were getting cash back. Yeah, that return doesn't happen very often, no. unless, unless you pick that right horse. It was, and, and a lot of people did, and it. I don't feel as though we're really qualified to talk about that because I didn't invest in, in Camden and I don't, I don't. No, I did. I mean, did. I know a few people who did. I mean, most most people I know who invest in Camden invested because they wanted to be part of Camden. Yeah. They wanted to go to the tap room when they had the exclusives and the releases and stuff. But what you can't deny is that they got a return. Yeah. And that was summed up really well in the most recent, um, the beer podcast as as well. They did a... Uh, they did a show that was all about Camden, and they really that they talked to some people that invested. So that's worth a listen, and there's there's a link to that in the show notes. But just a couple of moments. So Wild Beer, they they did crowdfunding, and that flew, didn't it? That that hit their target really, really quickly because again, I suppose people wanted to be involved in there's something of, different. And also, there's a lot of love. Yeah, I think, uh, there's a lot of love for Wild Beer. If you're if you're into that that ilk of style and what they stand for, the way they've gone about things over the years. If you've really bought into what they do, the way they present their beers and what you know, the foraging, the natural aspects of it, then I think there was a lot of love there for Wild Beer when they started as well. I think I think that's a key thing. Like you, you can you can invest for you can say that you know if you've got a good business business reason, then it will get funded by a bank. But then you're denying a lot of people that could be part of the business and could be championing your business a, a say. And so the interesting thing is going to be when those people who invested emotionally, uh, particularly people probably put in 50 quid instead of like 10,000 like some people did in Camden, what happens when, say, Wild Beer or whoever it is sells, what happens then? 
Yeah, and that's what happened in Camden. That's why exactly, there's so much yeah. angst about yeah. Camden. Yeah. So there's a lot of this angst about meantime because people who invested in meantime. No, that was a business. Yeah. But it happened with Brewdog when they announced their investor earlier on this year they offered shareholders some of their money back and I took I took the money rather than a six pack of beer that they were offering if I stayed wasn't a strong enough offer for me to stay because actually what I took cash wise was half of what I had invested right. and I've still got half of my shares invested in Brewdog yeah. so I'm I'm still okay there so you know it's it's you've got to balance all of that up I mean, you need to think about it when you invest I mean there's always a chance like, you know, if we now go back to Camden's, I mean, Camden's a good example now of what can happen. If you invest emotionally, like you're 50 pounds. So you get the invites to the tap room, the exclusive nights, exclusive releases, that it's out of your control once you've invested. It's not guaranteed to be a lifetime loving. And that it, it, unfortunately, I suppose what happened is it happened very quickly. Yeah, you didn't really get much of a love in it at the time. So if it, it can, go, yeah, it was about three or four months. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Which I thought, I thought they probably they probably knew about it beforehand, but probably too, too too far gone. Anyway. So let's have some more beer, okay. and then we'll talk about some more crowdfunding, and we'll get a few more views. So uh, what what have we got? <laughs> right, so finally, <laughs> final beer. Uh, so from Britain, we have no rest for dancers, uh, which is from Lost and Grounded. Who knew? Well, they're not new anymore. Actually, I guess uh, they're over a year they've old. They've actually featured a few times this season. Yeah, yeah, we've right, de- we've definitely given them a mention. Yeah. Have you done they've, this one? Uh, not this one. No. Not that yeah. one. I've had it. Um, so, they featured more than you. <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah. Deserve it more. Um, so no rest for dancers. It's not the one people sing about the most. It's a Belgian style, but with a US crossover. So it's you could call it an American red ale, but it's closer to a double, but with American hops. So we hopefully get some citrusy grassy piney notes but we'll also get some lovely sweetness caramel banana stuff going on and they make fantastic Belgian beer actually I think well I think Ketterpils is sensational but their Belgian stuff is what I love by them uh, and then we have Brugeot Double um, so Brugeot is one of those beers that pretty much everyone knows because yeah. they've all been to Belgium at some point they've all drunk the blonde, the blonde and gone wow this is amazing why don't we have this in the UK we do it's available from beer merchants um, and it is in occasional bars but the, the double is less loved, but I think I think it's a, a more unique beer because it's got a little bit of chocolatiness to it that not a lot of the doubles do. Okay. Okay. So uh, not, lost and grounded first of all, then. Yep. So uh, cheers. Cheers. Has it got rye, or is that in it at all? There is a spiciness to it, isn't there? Yeah. Like a spicy, really strong multi flavour coming through on there. There's no mention of rye. Uh, I get what you mean, though. It's got a a slight tang to it yeah. which I, I think comes from the, the interplay of caramel and uh, piney hops okay but I, there could be some rye there could be I'm just not red, red beers a lot of the time don't always cut it for me no I've, I've got to say I'm the same let's try the um, the other one the Brew Brewzot Dubel the, the Belgian one cheers oh it's much cleaner on the nose that's the first thing you get yeah. for, for me Not a lot more life in it again as, as well yeah so it's more effervescent yeah more first quenching drier there, there, there is actually less sweetness on it as well for me it's far more for me it's far more balanced than the no than the first one yeah, yeah. 
It's interesting. So I'm tasting. I feel like I'm tasting a slightly different beer. Not in in the Bruges Zot. I feel like you guys bring as much on the money. It's a finer bubble. Yeah. It's a little bit more. Almost like champagne yeast. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Is it, um, is it more bubbly? Could be there's more bubbles but smaller bubbles okay. <laughs> more bubbly is that a yeah, new one I'm still trying to, to say more bubbly, bubbly. <laughs> going. Um, but no rest for dancers like, I think I think there's a little bit of grassiness that isn't quite right but I really like like that kind of confusion of rye which is a great beer name confusion of rye um, <laughs> that I really enjoy it's just something a bit different maybe because I'm, I'm it's, it's so unlike everything else I drink so I, I am basically I swing from Lambic to IPA to Lambic I mean it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a style I'm drawn to and I did look at my scores beforehand that was my lowest score in beer on the ones oh, I already had was the no rest with oh really looking back at that so I mean it's just one of those things I mean sometimes but also if it's something that you don't like you always pick it out yep there's something about it. I mean, I, you know, when I say that, I still a 3.25 on Untapped, so it wasn't like it's rubbish. Yeah, it's just not a style I would hunt out. Whereas a Belgian Double, I'm I'm quite partial to, and the, the Bruges are. And I think you're right, actually. Mo- a lot of people have. Had, I think you asked a question on Twitter. Yeah. Saying if you were going to introduce a Belgian beer not a hater but somebody doesn't like them to, to a beer what would you say and I went straight away Bruce Blonde straight I think what away. he was saying was if he was going to introduce Steve to a Belgian beer yeah, that's what, that's what yeah, that, that was if you read it between the lines yeah, yeah and I that's think what, a couple of people picked up on that <laughs> well, you mean when Son of a Gun said Cannonball yeah um, and I said the Bruce Blonde because I think that has very few of those overt Belgium yeasty farmhouse characteristics but a lot of people go straight away that's what a Belgian beer is it's really well balanced I think it's about 6.5% drinks really well nice. 7 I think the double but, the, but still the, the blonde is about it's blonde six is 6 yeah. yeah so you can drink it quite quite happily and I've been to the brewery the Half Man Brewery in Bruges it's a lovely little spot on the canal lovely place to enjoy their beers it's a very interesting because Bruges Zot on Beer Merchants is uh, maybe it's not anymore but it used to be our biggest seller and it's still top 5 and has been since 2003 Cheers. Cheers. Uh, so it it's always been in that top five, and it is because people go fall in love with that beer, that brand, that place, that brewery, come back, and I I, I have no figures to hand, but I'm sure that that brewery is responsible for thousands of new Belgian beer lovers because they've all gone onto those forums or Twitter or whatever it is and gone, I like Bruiser, what else should I try? Yeah, and then people say. You can say whether they say like Le Chouf or, or these kind of guys or, or Duval um, and yeah it has a lot to answer for. well not a lot to answer for that's the negative thing but it's one of those beers that is just I don't know somebody that's tried it and gone yeah. it would be almost your quintessential gateway yeah yeah. in my mind absolutely and, and I think no rest for dancers I, I think I think Alex is still fine tuning his beers and I think it's not it's not as approachable as it could be but I really enjoy it just because I it's like eight ball as well with Beaver Town, which I think is a hugely underrated beer, and it's it's, it's obviously not as good as Gamoray. Gamoray is one of the best beers in the world, but I really enjoy an eight ball because it's not like everything else, and I really enjoy that that rye, that spice, that pine that you don't get in many beers, and then that little bit of sweetness is kind of Belgian. Yeah, I know what you're saying because I mean with the eight, with the uh, the eight ball, it's that the, the rye is quite rough, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a rough and ready rye almost. Proper like the really tangy rye bread that you're yeah. a bit like, ah, I wish it was normal bread. Yeah. <laughs> so what what other uh, comments about we, we we had a few categories, didn't we? We, we did. So just um, going back to 
kind of reasons why people crowdfund and looking for something a bit different. So, um, and a couple that we've invested in. So, a lot of people came back with Beer Nouveau. Yep. And, and what Steve's done up there in terms of the, the heritage program that he's, he's done, which I know we both threw some money at, and then he announced another beer and we threw some money at that. I threw so, some more money at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, he got you good. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He got us very good, but he achieved his targets because, and it was a very small target, it was a very modest target yeah. that he wanted to achieve. But I don't think, I think if you look at, in terms of why he did it, he's, he, he's not in it to make money, he wants to make those beers so that people can try those beers. And I think that's why people, so many people have invested. Yeah, and I think people either have already met him, have heard about him, or read what he does. Yeah, once, once you've met him, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. Is, 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 is there. So, yeah, I mean, quite a lot of people, so I'm just going to just literally go through a bit of a roll call of people that mentioned Beer Nouveau in, in, in their tweets. So, uh, Paul Brearley at The Real Bryman mentioned it. Um... Miles Lambert mentioned it. Uh, Joe Hill at Multiplex Rank, Rant mentioned it. Drink, drank, drunk. John at Drink, Drank Blog mentioned the Nouveau. Uh, best, best name. Yeah, ever. wow. Yeah. Hardest, hardest one to say. Yeah. Short, short of uh, Jamie, who's not been involved for a while. Merchant of Shite, who <laughs> is still my favourite Twitter handle ever. Um, but yeah, lots of people mentioning Beer Nouveau. Um, and, I think and, what he does really well generally and with that is that instead of so the sort of the idea of when you reach audiences you go you go wide and you go shallow or you go really thin and go really deep so he's gone to the beer nerd uh, audience and gone really really deep and he's found lots of people that love the idea of beer from the word and heritage recipes and if he you know if he did a Facebook advert for that he would get zero return for that yeah but he reached what he needed to just by reaching the people that he knew and lots of other people like BrewDog take the opposite approach and to some extent beer merchants will have to at some point to make sure we hit that target is to just literally go to people that don't love beer but love going to the pub Yeah. and they'll be like what two quid if I invest a quid in a pub it's amazing Yeah. yeah. And, and he absolutely smashed it and that, that's a sign of a great business so, you know as long as he's not trying to be BrewDog he's going to forever do well by doing that I mean another one we, we, we've we gone into Steve with some of our friends at the Essex Bottle Share is the um, the barrel yeah White Hag White Hag in, in Ireland who have got a it's a barrel aging programme and you we invested in a barrel yes didn't we so we bought a barrel for the brewery to uh, like, their beer like the, like the whiskey model where you sort of you buy a cask and then you can yeah. siphon off that yeah. cask when well, you uh, not, not so much that they, they wanted to do barrel ageing but to, to, to enable them to do that they needed to buy a certain amount of barrels so they put a price tag on the barrels I think it was 250 quid per barrel um, so I think there was what half a dozen of us that went into that yeah five or six of us so we all invested and as a result we get X number of beers that come from all the barrels okay. as, as, as a result which yeah. we actually thought wasn't a bad return no I, don't, I think it's a very for, good return for our investment yeah and it also it's like again it was, that, it was a slight twist yeah something just a little bit different yeah. from what, what's the, yeah. the, the standard offer what we're saying like is equity less interesting maybe your poll should have been like what would you prefer is it equity or maybe yeah it's what I mean for me if I do what interests you in crowdfunding yeah yeah. but then you've only got four options yeah (laughs) but if you've got to do a small amount then equity doesn't really matter so much because you're not really you're not going to be able to give up your job on that one yeah I don't want to break people's hearts but if we'd done equity with beer merchants you 
you'd have got 52 quid back in about <laughs> 10 years' time if it went well. So it's, it's, it means one. I think people like being part of it but for me crowdfunding is a dual purpose it's money raising and, and awareness I mean, there's, two there's, there's got to be a hand. reason to invest for me and I've, I've got a feel as like I'm either owning a little bit of something or I'm getting a little bit of something back for something yeah. so for Cave Direct it's be emergency is the latter isn't it yeah because I'm getting two quid for every hand I invest <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a no brainer so do we have any uh, people who didn't who weren't in favour or were just bored by it or no I think I ignored all of their comments <laughs> <laughs> and just went for people that actually had something I, I don't know there's maybe just this one um, so this is Dr Goggles at Burnt Ninja Ninjao um, great idea I haven't funded anything because the right thing hasn't come along yet and, and there were a few people said that that they were They've looked at things, but there's just never really been anything to. So doesn't tick their so box. So are they looking for a financial return, or are they looking for an emotional return? Which one are they? Who knows? On? We, we I mean, beer merchants is clearly a beer return. Well, I think there's some emotion there. To, to the UK's first lambic-inspired blendery, but not lambic. I know, but we're never. Go- I'm never going to have my tab ready for that one. That's going to be. Spent. No, it might be a while. That's yeah. going to be spent sure. before the spend away. Is <laughs> That's the idea. Spend away, Martin. <laughs> you want that spend in the first year, so you can start doing the books properly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the engagement was quite low, wasn't it, this time round? I think it was, but I think that lends itself to the fact that 57% of people that responded just weren't bothered. Yeah. Shoulder shrugs. Yeah. yeah. So you get, if I'm not bothered, I'm not going to bother responding. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, but it, it, it's been interesting because, like I say, I mean, if, if nothing else, it's what what it's taught us is that there's that, that there have been a few schemes that have really reached the public consciousness on on social media, yes. and and they seem to have been Brewdog, Beer Merchants, and and Beer Nouveau, surprisingly. Which, if if you look at those three, yeah, I think Wild Beer as well. They, yeah, they people were mentioning, but they got a serious amount of money. Yeah, but, but Beer Nouveau definitely touched. Well, definitely touched the people definitely touch people's conscience of who we interact with yeah but for essentially what is a very tiny brewery in, in Manchester yeah whose beers you can pretty much only drink at, at the brewery tap occasionally you might see them somewhere in Manchester very occasionally yeah for him to have got the amount of engagement that he yeah. got from what he did yeah. I think says a lot about what his offer was and about As, him yeah I mean that's it as well yeah. but supremely likable guy yeah. Who, yeah. Like, I, want to, I, I didn't invest in it but I want that to be a huge success I really do yeah. I think so it's a great I. idea me too yeah. I'm looking forward to going to the launch parties and picking yep. up my beers <laughs> um, so the beer merchant scheme is still running until the end of the month isn't 30th it? 30th of November 10am so people have still got time to invest <laughs> absolutely and there will be a, a link in weeks. the show notes so if people haven't yet invested and why wouldn't you one pound in, two pound back. Yes. Let's get them here with um, two salesmen. Yeah. Um, get investing now. Click, click through to the link in the show notes. Yeah. Um, we're, we're almost done with the beers. Yeah. So what do we think? I mean, I'm still loving the brews a lot more. I, I am actually as well. Is it worth trying the, the special beer I brought along? I think so. Because I think we have time for that. Because at the moment, Belgium are now 3-1 up. <laughs> and, and I don't think there's any coming back for the UK right now. So, I, I, I was worried. I, I was worried that we wouldn't be able to convince Steve. So, I brought along... I think I've been fairly convinced so <laughs> I th- far. I think, I think you have. And uh, I think it's credit... 
credit to the beers that they've they've managed to do it because Belgian beer can be unusual and can be daunting. Um, so I brought along the most daunting and unusual beer that there is in Belgium, certainly to Belgians. Okay, so what have we got? It's my favourite beer in the world, Steve. Bar none. That's a statement and a half, yeah. that is. I'm not sure I would share my favourite beer in the world. Do you have one that you won't share? Or... Well, I'm not telling people. Because you don't want to share it. <laughs> that's just daft. Yeah, that's coming up. Whoa! To Gusha. Oh, where's my glass? That's yours. There's mine. So, do you guys know the dollar? We know a little bit. We, 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 we did a um, when we used to do the Little Leeds Beer House Flavor of the Month. We did a Didol Christmas special, didn't we? Yeah, still on that. Yeah. So, so but, but anyone else who doesn't know, so the dollar are a tiny, tiny little craft brewery. They've been going since 1980. Uh, they make, I guess, they make traditional styles, but utterly bastardised. Um, so they make a sour triple. They make a brilliant Christmas beer called Stille Nacht. They make a uh, Easter beer um, called Boskun, uh, which is a honey beer, and they make Arab beer. Which is strong blonde in the veil of in the vein of Doom. Which is what we got here. Which is what we have here. Uh, it's got a parrot on the front. Don't know why. Uh, I mean, the guy that owns it, Chris, is um, he he knits his own gilets out of previously used British bar towels. He is an artist who generally is known for painting portraits of the local cheese crusade society. He's quite the character. Uh, and his beers are brutally bitter or very sour but based in Belgian tradition so he makes open fermentation so no lids on his fermenters uh, it's, it's an open fermentation Belgian blonde with it's 80 IBU so seriously bitter all with nugget hops uh, Steve's face lit up it's a very unusual and very beautiful beer and it will be too much for a mouthful Thank wait for the second sharing. I don't think you get that bitterness straight away. I don't think you do. I just—it's coming though, right? It's so well balanced. Everything in there is just working in unison. It's—it's it's really bubbly. I'm still going with it. <laughs> it's still going to bubbly. Still it's going really bubbly. bubbly. It gushed when I opened it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when, we, when we did the still, there's lots of life the in still it. Next, yeah. We really enjoyed that. We did, yeah. We really enjoyed the still next we had. And we did two. We did two years yeah. side by side as well. So and apparently that's a beer that will age forever. Yeah, well, yeah, really well. Um, to the point where I bought another bottle of the one that we did last year to stick in the back. To stick in the back of the cupboard. Yeah, seller, seller, seller. Sorry. So, so what percentage does this one come out? Have a guess. I'm going for seven. <laughs> I'm going to say it tastes a lot less than it. Don't we? A ten. No. I'm pretty sure it's eight, but I can't find the. Uh, Okay, yeah, it's eight. Okay. You're closer. That's lovely. I really like that. Yeah? Yeah. Could you drink a lot of it at that, being that, to coin no. a phrase, bubbly? I think, I think at most, probably a pint of that. Cold? Yeah. I've done, I've done, I've done two bottles before having to move on. Because it, it's 80 IBU, but it's also very, underneath that bitterness, it's got like a caramelised banana it's, thing. That's it's very, very sweet. filling. 
Yeah. It's, 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 it's really rich and full bodied. Yeah. Yeah. For a blonde beer as well. Yeah. But I mean, there's there's no wheat in that. It's it's, it's one malt, one hop. You said it's no one wheat. Yeast. Well, it has got that bananary clove nose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's open fermented, so it varies quite a lot. Its temperature's fairly controlled, but it will vary. It will have some wild stuff in. We did an interview with him on the channel in which he said he doesn't know exactly what's in his beers yeast-wise. So what makes this, bearing in mind how many hundreds of Belgian beers there are out there, and how many thousands of beer, what makes this your favourite beer? I think it's the balance of pure daring and drinkability. So it's incredibly drinkable. It's the riskiest yeah. beer to yeah. make. It is one hop, one malt, a yeast in which, because it's open fermented, he's not entirely sure what's in it. Uh, I, I don't think he treats his water. He brews in a brew kit which was built in 1912. It looks like they rescued it from the Titanic once it had sunk. Uh, and he produces this from it, which is so. This is a single hop, single malt beer. Yeah. So he's quite ahead of the curve then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he was he was a home brewer who loved British beers. So he was looking for bitterness. He overshot it. He overshot so it. I don't know how many British beers there were in 1980. There were 80 <laughs> IBU. So single hop, single malt. So the the main factor is because it's an open fermentation. And the yeast—that's that's the defining factor of how this beer will turn out at some point. Uh, I think I think he he wouldn't want to say that, but yeah, I think there's definitely some funk going on in there yeah. that he doesn't scientifically know. But he has done. There's an amazing blog if you go to the Jadola website, which they test still a knack, and they look at all the different vintages. And essentially, what they decide is that yeah, varies a lot, which must be down to the open fermentation because otherwise, I think he's pretty scientific about it. Yeah. That's the, that's the variable, isn't it? Yeah. If you're looking at the equation, that's the variable part, is that open fermentation is the, yeah. is the yeast part, isn't it? Yeah. But it yeah. is superbly drinkable. Yeah. Really drinkable. Yeah. yeah. So is that four, that's, that's like a penalty shootout as well, happened? Well, no, that's just completely annihilated the opposition, that one. <laughs> um, so I, I just want to try and finish the, I suppose, the Belgian discovery show yep. as, as what it's been. Um, I've, I've tried to write down the different styles of Belgian beers and what Good I want luck. you to do is to give me a couple of words in layman speak as to what they mean. Okay. Yeah. This sounds fun. So, um, I've got, so what we're drinking now is it essentially a Belgian strong golden beer? Yeah. What does it mean? Layman's terms. Uh... Non-trappist, blonde, dry, fruity beer. Okay. Double. That is a Belgian strong. Oh, so is it the same? Yeah. Okay. Excuse my ignorance. That's, no, no, that's okay. Um, that's it could be that's the whole point of the question. Yeah. Triple. Uh, trappist. Or, trappist originating, uh, very fruity, slightly sweeter, blonde yeast-based beer. Okay. And the last two you've mentioned the word Trappist. What makes a Trappist beer? So Trappist beer has to be, if it's to be designated Trappist, it has to be brewed within the walls of a monastery under the supervision of monks and with the profits going to good causes. Okay. And then it can get the Trappist seal. And there's only about eight of those? Eight, eight or nine of those? Eleven, possibly now twelve, because the UK might have one. Yeah, and let's just touch on that for a yeah. bit. The UK is getting a Trappist brewery in Leicester. 
Yeah. So yeah. The, just to repeat, Leicester. Leicester. <laughs> Leicestershire. Leicestershire. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. There's an abundance of monks in Leicester. If you didn't know that, you're an idiot. Well, you know, that's, that's how they won. That's how they won the Premier League two years ago. <laughs> it was all prayer. Um, yeah. I mean, so the first thing I'd say about that is let's not get too excited because being a Trappist brewery does not guarantee quality. However, it does guarantee a certain way of doing your business and a certain way of doing your brewing, which might result in quality. So it's quite an exciting thing. It means that we're going to get, in a hundred years, lots of wonderful heritage. I was going to say, how lost. long before we see a beer from that? Oh, for, oh no, it'll be, it'll be once they're brewing, it'll be four months. Okay. Because well, it depends what the style they brew. If they brew an IPA, so Spencer, which is a Trappist brewery in America, brewed some some styles that made people sort of ruffle their feathers. Oh, that's not a Trappist style. Um, and you know, if they brew some triples, yeah, they'll they'll but have tra- a beer tra- in Trappist two months. Is their information of how and where they brew the beer, not the style, isn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, so you have all that, which so is a Brett Parallel, and then you have yeah. West Mile Triple. You can do any style you want. Any style you want. It's 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 who makes it, where they make it, and where the profit goes. The difference in Trappist and Abbey. Uh, so an Abbey is a beer that is perhaps nearly a Trappist, so maybe the profit all goes to some millionaire, or perhaps it's not made in a monastery, um, but they're, they're falling flat on some way, but it's usually inspired by... I mean, right, so the great, the best story is West Letteran, which is the... They make Westy 12, which yeah. is the most sought-after Trappist beer, even though it's not the best. Um, so... They Again, I'm not the only one who doesn't think it's the best. Yeah, it's not, it's not the best. I've not um, tried it yet. I've, I've got a bottle. Don't worry, just have Rochefort 10 and now it's better. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they, they used to make their beers at St. Bernardus. Uh, and when the Trappist designation came in, they went, oh shit, well if we keep making it at St. Bernardus, which isn't an abbey, is, isn't under the Superintendent Monks, we can't call it a Trappist beer. So they moved it all in-house so they could keep calling it Trappist beer. So that's why you have St. Bernardus 12, which is... A really good beer yeah. that tastes a little bit like West Western 12 and you have West Western 12 which is a really good beer but tastes well it uses West Mile yeast and the recipe from St. Bernardus so it's it's actually a hybrid and it's not as good as either actually so you can have some bananas in that it's better as well um, so yeah so yeah tra- tra- trapism is not a, quali- a quality it's not quality it's a, control it's a provenance thing a bit like champagne yeah yeah, a little bit like champagne. I mean, designated champagne does not mean it's good champagne. No. It just means where it is from. Yeah, somebody will make a Prosecco yeah. that might be just as good. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of great Abbey beers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, quad? Uh, <laughs> well, Quad. Um, so Quad is, is, is a dark, very boozy, potentially Trappist-inspired beer. Uh, essentially, it's an American barley wine without the hops. Okay. And then, and then I'm probably going to destroy a whole genre here. By just saying sour, of which uh, I know there are many subsections. Yeah. Um, so sour really you have to divide in two. So you have lambic, spontaneously fermented sour beer, which has brett, lactobacillus, pediococcus, a couple of other things going on, and then you have kettle sours or other kinds of similar sours like gosas. Um, so gem sours, gosas, Berliner Weisses. Uh, to some extent, the oud brunes. What am I trying to say here? So, what, sa- what, sa- makes, what makes it sour? So, what, what uh, is it that usually makes lacto- it bad? Lactobacillus, maybe a bit of pediococcus. So, sour beer is literally a bacteria that's added. So, the yeast is probably the same as a normal beer, but they've added a 
further bacteria, which is why they sometimes call it mixed fermentation. So it's a mixed fermentation of yeast and bacteria. So some bacteria eat sugar and turn sour, some eat uh, oxygen and turn sour, they all do different things. So a sour beer is one where there's been an additional bacteria involved that's lowered the pH, because that's all that sour beer is, it's just turning it acidic. But not every lambic has to be sour, does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's okay. That's good. That's good to know. Lambics. Uh, although I mean, sour again is a, a scale. Quite a wide range. Yes. Yeah. So it, it, some will be more sour than others. Like if you drink Hansen's and it's got a bit of a Cetobacter, which is basically the thing that makes vinegar. Like that is like ice wet kind of sour. And then you have a much more round one, like say the the Lindemans or Driefontainen, where it's a softer sour. Yeah. It's funkier, but it's a softer sound. Much more approachable. Yeah, a higher pH is essentially how you would record that, like you do with IBU or C- CRM. What's the colour? I've forgotten. I've had too many Belgian beers now. What? What's the co- the colour measurer? I didn't know there was a colour measurer. There's a colour measurer. It's, an, it's, it's other rainbow? letters. It's the rainbow, yeah, the rainbow metric. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Um, I think... I think that's my list of, kind of oh, yeah, what I stop. think is Belgian beers. We've got, we've got to describe this stuff by rainbow, yeah. so yeah, stop. Um, <laughs> I, I've just finished that wonderful beer that you just poured us, which was the surprise. Um, very pleasant surprise it was too. It, it was indeed. Um, I think we are probably at the end of tonight. Yeah. I think when Bitter and Linganis is going to be back next week. We've, yes. we've not got time to, to cover our listeners' thoughts on, on, on the show. And not do them justice. Yeah, and we'll do that justice next week. Um, as always, get involved in this week's show. Use the hashtag opinions. Let us know what you think. Um, make sure to get this box of beers from Beer Merchants yeah. as, as, as well, because if, if you want to really see a range of beers and how the Belgian styles maybe influence some breweries in the UK... This is this is how you're gonna do it. Yeah. Just for me, I, I was four 0 by the way. Yeah, four 0 Belgium. Yeah, there you go. I think. Yeah, I think I was. So, Just for the record, yeah. I would say also if you do buy the beer merchants thing, chucking in Arabia, that's also on the website. I think it's three quid. And and the that's, discount will still apply to that. Yeah, and that's well worth it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely the joker in the pack. So what are we up to next week? Um, next week we are we're just gonna do like a bit of a roundup of what we've been up to for the last few weeks and we've what's coming up Norfolk well. beers haven't we uh, yeah we're doing the Norfolk ones yeah. next week yeah so who are they from um, uh, we're doing some beers from Grain and from Ampersand I'm looking forward to those so, so I haven't had many from either no I've, I think we had I think we had some Ampersand at a bottle share yeah and I've had Grain on a number of occasions you, but these are some of the canned beers and you went to the Grain Temperance as, as well yeah, yeah so, so that should be a, a great show next week um, Johnny thanks for appearing mate really appreciate you you're very welcome you, sorry if I waffled come on. no that's it's, it's been it's been great um, waffled is what we bank on just in case people didn't know where, you, where, you need to get out of banking <laughs> where do people find beer merchants uh, beermerchants.com or at beermerchants on twitter and instagram brilliant um, yeah I think, I think that's about it enjoyed that thank you so Very much, much. Thanks, thanks for, for having me absolute cheers. pleasure and um, I hope the uh, crowdfunding goes well yeah uh, me too yeah. Yeah. me too cheers, cheers. cheers.